Thanks to the folks at Racetech for coming on board this podcast. Pulp 22 is the code to save with the folks at Racetech. Get your motor work done there. Get your suspension serviced. Hell, get it modified. Make it better. Make the bike work better. Give it some love. It'll love you back. Thank you to Racetech. Tell them you listen to Pulp, and they'll dial you in. Pulp 22 is the code to save. With Racetech.com, they've been on these shows a number of years. And if you're in the market for something, they have a complete Racetech service centers all across the country. So there's probably one near you. Check that out. Racetech.com for more information. Use the code and save. After a long winter, your bike may be ready for some TLC, a carburetor rebuild kit from All Balls Racing. It can get your bike into top condition and ready to hit the road or trails. You can find all the carburetor rebuild kit options along with a large selection of other power sports maintenance and repair parts at allballsracing.com. The All Balls Racing customer service team is also available to assist with part or fitment questions. Allballsracing.com, Vertex, Pivotworks, Hotcams, all those companies under the umbrella of All Balls so they can really help you out with replacement parts for your motorcycle. All Balls Racing, we're all in, so you can go all out. All right, on to the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. This is the audio of the motocross season preview uh, Zoom calls we did for 450 and 250 class uh, earlier this week on Racer X Online. So we took the audio right right from the videos and put it up for you people that maybe just want to listen while you're uh, flying or working on your yard or doing whatever. Thank you to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Uh, please check them out on the uh, on the web or at motorsport.com. And, of course, Justin Brayton, Shane McElrath, and Joy Savacci. Yeah, Savacci and McElrath wearing Fly Racing for this summer's Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships. Flyracing.com for more information. Check them out. And uh, love to hear you guys give me the DMs and such about your experiences with Fly. Also, thank you to Renthal, renthal.com, of course. Uh, Kawasaki, Honda, KTM, using Renthal products, sprockets, chains, and many, many styles and selections of bars. Maxxis Tires as well. Maxxis.com for more information. Check those guys out. And uh, MXSTs work pretty well, man. Thank you to the folks at Cobalinks. Cobalinks.com. K-O-U-B-A links.com. Code PulpMX to save with those guys. And Motorsport.com. Go through the banner on PulpMX.com to help us out. And make some purchases at Motorsport.com. Some exciting things coming from those guys uh, this summer that I'll get into as well in the future shows. Motorsport.com, All Balls Racing, also on board this podcast. Onyx Maps and the folks at UASA Batteries. Yeah, we're all on board. And so thank you to those guys. This is the uh, uh, Motocross Preview Podcast or Zoomcast we did with JT and Weege. So we took the audio, like I said, and ripped it into there. So please enjoy. 
and enjoy responsibly. Here we go. We are back halfway through the 2022 racing calendar. It is now time for Lucas Oil Pro Motocross for 2022. Jason Wygant, Steve Mathis, and Jason Thomas to give you your preview of the upcoming Outdoor National Motocross Championship Series. Two episodes today will focus on the 450 class. want to thank our sponsors who are on board this year, Fly Racing. Uh, we got uh, JT, Fly Racing's dialed in right now. You ready for the summer? We're ready, and I will be, uh, I'll be at most of these races, as, uh, as you know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a great time to be a part of Fly Racing, and my role will even increase so yes and we'll be talking about that in a second we got the did chains on board new ray toys are really pumped on the uh, gas gas line now and they even got justin barsha stuff coming soon so thanks to new ray toys did chains as i mentioned uh max's tires always backing us and also uh steve mathis you got any maxima over there at the palatial pulp estate well you brought up justin barsha so you know we have contact cleaner <laughs> i was justin i was Marcia wondering, I was wondering contact I was wondering if that Barsha bike came with like bumper guards on it. <laughs> contact cleaner, contact and clean out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love Maxima SC one. Amazing. That's how I kept my mechanic in career, whether it's MPPL, whether it's the contact cleaner, whether it's the uh, four stroke uh, oil with the peak additive, which is unique and exclusive to Maxima. Love the guys at Maxima because also I love Ron Lachine. Yeah, it's worth hanging out there just for the dogger. Okay, so let's get into it this year. Uh, JT, we, we just mentioned the expanding role that you'll have. We'll be talking about the 450 riders and teams in just a minute. But let's give you an idea of where people can watch these races. So a big change this year. We've had the first two motos live on MAV-TV for the last several years. Now all four motos will be live on MAV-TV. Or you can get MAV-TV Plus, which is a streaming service to watch everything live. And then you can watch on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, or your TV that way. And a big change in the broadcast booth. I will still be there as play-by-play man. We're going to have different riders every weekend, legends of the series, joining me in the booth as co-hosts. And JT, JT, you're going to handle the podium interviews and the trackside reporting. Congrats. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I'm excited, but I'm also I'm also nervous. So I think as long as I don't make a fool of myself, that I will consider it a wild success. Um, and, and I think I'll get better as we go on. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've been practicing. And the nerves are high. So when you see, uh, if you see my hand shaking or you see me uh, tripping over my words at uh, the first round, just work with me. Super bad decision. Daniel Blair to give him any advice. I have. Super bad decision. Oh, I I got to shadow Daniel at the Denver Supercross just to kind of see how the process works. And uh, yeah, he's very, very good at this. And it made me even more nervous, I think. Wow. So you don't agree with this, Mathis. They should not have hired JT. Well, first of all, between Blair and JT, is there a minute, is there a maximum height that the, the crew is trying to find for a pit reporter? Is it, is it like, it would be minimum that you're a- looking for minimum would be looking for. Yeah. Is there, they're trying to, well, maximum meaning like just you and him are the tallest it could possibly be maybe because getting in between the mechanics or something in the, in the pit row, uh, Daniel does a great job. I, I can't believe JT is doing this. This is a massive shocking news. It's unbelievable. He wants to do this. I would never do this. It's going to be so much work. It's so hot. It's, it's long days. It's, it's unbelievable. He's signing up for this. He he could be on a a lake in Boise every Saturday on a lake, you know, drinking beers and hanging out. Instead, he chooses to do this. Uh, It's unbelievable. The the prior crew of like Georgia Lindsay, uh, Will Christian, Ashley Raynard, all them, they could no problem handle the heat 
and humidity of the outdoor series. Me having raced it, I don't know, 15 times on a dirt bike on a 450. That's going to be more work. And these other ladies were able to manage it. No problem. I should be worried about the workload. This is, this should be a big problem for me is what you're saying. Once, once again, you missed my point. <laughs> you don't need to do this. You have a full-time job. You have the hard cut stuff. You monk like life. You don't need to do this for, you know, for th those, those other past reporters, this is their job. That's what they needed to do for a living. You have a full-time job and you still choose to do this. It's incredible. I mean, I'm, you'll do a good job. I'm not saying you're going to do a bad job, but I don't know what you're doing, man. It's a well, terrible and, life to see. And you also have to understand a big part of this uh, is my role at fly racing is to put our brand in front of people. And I'm going to have a fly racing logo on the shirt I will be wearing, which is also part of this deal. So it's not just about me. It's about furthering the brand and gaining more recognition for the brand. So there's a lot to it. Look, speaking I'll come of check in, butt, I'll come check in with you uh, mid-August on this. While, while Steve is also there in the heat and somehow that going to the races is fine for you. Questionable decisions all around really by Mav TV because they also gave your Pulp Show time on the network, huh? It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, Pulp MX Show, we are on two-wheel Tuesdays, one hour. It's incredible. I got a race from Feld. I'm on TV. Life's Life really comes at you quick, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. This is weird. Uh, but now we're back in the trenches here. We're going to talk about uh, Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. The 450 class of this show, 250 will be up next. Now, look, when we talk about the 450s, I think the headline story is going to be the defending champion, Dylan Ferrandis, and his new teammate and the new Monster Energy AMA Supercross champion, Eli Tomac, head-to-head, -head, two teammates. How's that going to go with Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing? But those guys are known commodities. Tomac's won this title three times. Uh, Ferrandis won it last year and the 250 title the year before it. I think the crazy wild card in the series was over on the other side of the pits with Red Bull KTM shocking the world with some of the riders who are basically retired that they're bringing back to racing. So I want to start there. Ryan Dungey is making a comeback. This is, this is not hype. This is not some crazy rumor. This is a real deal. Steve, uh, explain the level of shock. In fact, when you first picked up on this, you didn't even think it meant anything. We just thought he was testing. This is shocking. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, what is he, seven-time champion? Is he eight? I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah, Ryan Dungey's coming back. Yeah, um, we saw him practicing a little while ago. I got a video of him practicing, and I sent a text out, and they said, no, he's testing. And I'm like, that makes sense, because there's just no way Ryan Dungey's coming back to racing. I mean, why would he do that? He's got right. a gazillion dollars. And his legacy is secure. And he's been gone a long time, folks. So, uh, yeah, really big shocking news. He was on our Pulp Show uh, a couple Mondays ago, or last Monday, I guess. And, you know, this is what we were talking about when it initially dropped. He, he's not coming back to run 5 to 10, right? Like, he just would stay home in Minnesota with his smoking hot wife and his kids. Um, but he said on the Pulp Show, like, yeah, I think I can win. I think I can challenge for wins. That's why I'm coming back. So we knew that that's why he would come back, but to him to hear him say it after five years, five plus years gone is pretty shocking. Uh, I think it's awesome. Like, however he does, it's awesome. I'm call me skeptical on this working out to Dunge's level that he just told us he wants to be at, but I, I think it's awesome and, and really cool to see him there. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not there with Dunge when he's telling us that, he thinks he can win the title and win races. Yeah, uh, it was 2016, the last time he raced uh, motocross. He got hurt that season, did race supercross and win the title in 2017. 
And uh, JT, like this would be like you making a comeback in like 2019. I don't think you had any desire to come back to the races. And, you know, we'll compliment Dunge. He was at a higher level than you, but still six years, six years. That's a long time. Yeah. And there was a, there was an age difference, right? I, I stopped racing at 33 where he was, you know, 27 ish or whatever. So that's a factor, but I also, I also raced a race in Finland about two years after I stopped and the, ch- the biggest challenge for me. And I think he will find the same is, is finding the intensity again, getting back to not only where you were, which I think will be very, very challenging for him to get back to that 2016 level. Now he's got to get to the level that everyone else has risen up to, right? Where he's going to see let's assume Eli Tomac is healthy. He's going to be facing a Tomac that's rejuvenated. Maybe the best we've ever seen him. This new upstart defending champion, Dylan Ferrandis, a better than ever Jason Anderson. Like there are a lot of new complications in this plan for him to go out and win on top of a six year hiatus from the series. So I'm kind of in the camp with Steve. I think going out and winning races is going to be very, very difficult, much more difficult than he realizes in the moment. That doesn't mean he can't run around top five, top 10 all season long without a problem and be in the podium conversation when things go well. I just think asking for him to be title relevant is asking a lot. Yeah, that's the whole thing. We've heard many rumors of Dungey comebacks before. He's come very close before. And what we always hear it boils down to is he wants to win. I think if he showed up and got fifth every weekend and got two podiums when things fell his direction, everyone would be pumped on that. The fans would be excited. KTM would be excited. But his standards are, I used to win. I want to keep winning. That's the whole problem right there. So, so that's the question there for Dunge. And then just as wild... There were rumors for a long time that Jeffrey Hurlings might come over and race in the U.S. His foot injuries are not healed up enough, so he will not be here this year. Cooper Webb is elected not to race Lucas Oil Promoter Cross this summer, so he's out. But Antonio Caroli, who hinted he might do some U.S. Nationals last year when he announced his full-time retirement, he's following through on that. So he's at least going to be at the first two. Uh, I think Dungey's in for all 12, no matter what he says. I'm not sure about Caroli. What do you think of this, JT? He is a little older. He's 36. Yeah, but his his time away is so much shorter, right? He was a race winner podium guy just last season. And and remember that series didn't wrap until November. So we're almost in a normal off season type span for him where surely he took some time off and got to regroup and whatever. But then a couple of months ago, he started training in earnest again to get ready for this series. So I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off for Cairoli. I'm actually a little bit higher on Cairo's chances, even though he's much older and he is, is retiring and all those things just because the time away has been so much less. And I think he's going to be right there with bike settings and, and his fitness and all those things that there hasn't had to be any rekindling of a base fitness level and all those things. He doesn't have to go try to find the pace. He already knows the pace, right? So um, yes, learning the tracks will be a challenge and we don't know how he will assimilate into the USA series, but I think he could come out and surprise the people, especially early when most of these riders are still trying to find their outdoor legs. I think he's going to come in hot and be ready to go right away because he didn't ride supercross for the past nine months. It's interesting, Steve, you talked to Roger DeCoster at Red Bull KTM not that long ago. And he said, there's an assumption because team USA does so badly at the motocross of nations that all European riders are at a much higher level. But Roger's like, we don't want to go that far. These guys do not want Caroli to come in and beat them immediately. So where do you stand on this Caroli situation? Yeah, certainly the American tracks are prepped differently than the MXGP tracks in a lot of cases. 
And I think the jumps are bigger uh, and more from round to round than you see in MXGP, right? So there is that, that uh, different factor. I, I'm, I'm excited, man. And the amount of texts from industry people going on bet betting on Dunge or Carew is, is also half the fun here because I really think this is going to be a, a real thing to watch all summer long. And then Aaron Plessinger is just going to be like, I, I never heard of either one of you. But yeah. uh, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch Antonio Carew and Ryan Dungey go at it and who Who's better? My money's on the seriously. I am on the show that he's in for all twelve. Uh, it would have to go very, very bad for Caroli to pull out out after two. But yeah, this is great. I, I'm I'm really excited to see Antonio Caroli. Um, he's a class act as a human being, and and is one of the the greatest champions of all time. We're lucky to have them, even though it's at the end. And I'm stoked, man. I've, I'm really excited to go over to the KTM truck and talk to Dunge and Caroli at the end of the day and find out how they're doing and what they think uh, of our series. Yeah, that's why we lead the show with them. That's really intriguing. And then you mentioned Aaron Plessinger, so we didn't get much of him in Supercross this year. He's great outdoors. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, probably won a race last year. I think the real key here for KTM is kind of quietly. They've had so much success in the sport. But this outdoor thing has been tough on them lately. I'm going to go to the DID chain here, which is the chain used by the Red Bull KTM team. They are desperate. JT, you've talked about this. They are trying to find the missing link. They have had a terrible season by their standards. They've had Hurley's out. Cooper Webb did not win a race in Supercross, let alone defend his title. Uh, they're looking for the missing link to try to get something going. Maybe Aaron Plessinger's it. Maybe this new bike is going to be better for them outdoors than it started in Supercross, but... There's going to be some pressure over there, JT. You've been saying that at KTM. They've got to get something going this year. Well, and you can just tell by their actions. I hate to use the word desperate because you see such a successful brand, and I don't think it's desperation. I think it's, hey, we're willing to do anything here to win and to try to get back to relevancy for 2022. And you can see that by their actions. You see Tony Cairoli making his first venture over to race Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. They're bringing a guy out of retirement from six years ago yeah. to race this series. They were going to bring their number one guy worldwide, and that's arguable. I know Cooper Webb's the defending Supercross champ. Jeffrey Hurlings, they were going to let him come over and race Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So they are really pulling out all the stops. They understand that it's dire straits, and they – as you have mentioned many times, this is a brand committed to winning at all costs. They do not care. Anything less than winning is considered a failure, which is, is crazy, but I, I truly believe that's how they view it. So again, words mean nothing. Their actions are telling us everything. They want to win in this series this year. All right. And maybe it'll be Plessinger, actually. We talked, there's such a headliner with Caroli and Dunge, but there are certainly some question marks there, but this is supposed to be prime years for Plessinger to perform. So we'll see how that goes. Now we'll move into the team that has the defending champ, and the guy who won this title over and over and over and is the new Supercross champ in Eli Tomac. Do we even need, Steve, to talk about Ferrandis Tomac at each other's throats every weekend in the same truck? Is that a thing? Do we need to worry about that at all? No, I don't think so. They'll be fine, right? There's a lot of respect there. And I, I think back to last summer when, when Ferrandis beat Tomac straight up at Redbud and on the podium, it was like, it was incredible to be a guy like Eli Tomac. I can't believe I did that. He really threw him a lot of respect, which is, you know, not all, something you always see from uh, fierce competitors. So I think Dylan, they're both older at this point. Um, my question though is, are we sure Eli Tomax? Gonna... 
Nice all 12 rounds this summer. I'm thinking Nogas right now. I would bet on Eli not racing, man. Like, he's got this uh, MCL. He says it hurts to grip the bike. The only thing that's going to heal it is time. It heals on itself. He's going to take time off, presumably. So no testing, no riding. He's going to come into the outdoors not 100% with a ligament that probably isn't healed 100%. He's got that Supercross title in his bag, right? Um, if, he, if he struggles in the first two, three rounds... Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't see him keeping going. I, I think this is an interesting thing to watch. A real bummer that he hurt his knee there in Atlanta. Uh, look, I have no inside knowledge on this. Uh, he hasn't told me this. Nobody from Yamaha has told me this, but I don't think he races all 12 rounds this summer. Whoa. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, Dylan Fernandez is coming back from a wrist injury, by the way, in Supercross. I don't think there's any worries there. JT, you worried about the health of these two studs on this one team? Uh, for Fernandez, no. I, I firmly believe Fernandez could have kept racing Supercross if things were going well, if he was in any sort of championship relevancy at all, or even getting podiums, I think would have been a, a reason to continue on. But things were not, things were kind of off the rails. And they were also counting down the days to get ready for the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. So those two things were kind of converging. And I remember him riding off the track at, I believe it was Detroit. Detroit or Indy, one of the two, and thinking that's probably the last time we see him this season. It was just because it was such a strange deal where he didn't crash. It was almost just like, yeah, my wrist is no good here. Like he cased the jump was like, and rode off the track. And I'm like, he's probably done. So I think he's fine. I think you'll see no lingering effects of that when we go into uh, this first round. Tomac, I'm less sure. I think he will race. Um, dealing with my own knee injuries, I saw too much speed and too much intensity from Tomac to think that he can't do it. Now, did he fall off tour in those main events? Yes. Uh, but you could also argue some of that was the championship pressure and him not willing to, or wanting to take big risks down the stretch of those main events. But you look back at that Denver supercross heat race, he looked the best, you know, just like on form that we had seen him all season. So I don't think it's a situation where he can't ride to the best of his ability. I think taking that last round off was smart, letting it heal, letting the inflammation come down and then get back to it. As long as it's not something where a doctor's telling him, Hey, we need to surgically fix this, which it sounds like it's not. I don't see a right, a reason why he won't be able to manage this throughout the season. I did hear that Tomac was spotted at the stopwatch nationals at Glen Helen yesterday on Thursday. Again, that might be, that might just mean he's trying it. And it doesn't mean he's hundred percent yet, but he was riding. He was testing. We'll see how that turns out. I think that's really going to be intriguing. If they're both at 100%, there are going to be some nasty battles in the last five minutes of the moto because with Tomac's fitness and just how ferocious Ferrandis is, danger zone, dare I say, there are going to <laughs> oh, be some gnarly battles. I will give uh, Steve – I will follow up on Steve's point a little bit. It only takes one dab of the knee, you, one mistake, one right back to what he did in Atlanta, and boom, everything changes, right? So all the points I made – can be completely wiped away with one, you know, uh, misstep there. Also on the team is Christian Craig. Now Craig was actually there on a 450 for Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing last year as well. Just kind of always on that bubble, always looking for that podium, always trying to get in that group. I would have to imagine that Craig's looking to step up a little bit this year. Now that he's finally got that uh, Supercross title under his belt. Supposedly put in a lot of outdoor work when 250s were on a break in the West Region that he was in. Uh, so can Craig get in there and at least get a podium this year, Steve? Can he can he be part of this group that we're talking about? Because he's the third rider on that team. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think Craig's shown that speed for sure. He can be a top five to six guy every weekend and grab some podiums and 
I don't know if I'm there for a win at all yet for Christian, but you know, obviously he's going to four fifties next year, full time. Um, so this isn't, you know, some sort of like moonlighting thing where he's just got no pressure and whatever. This is what he wants to do. This is the class he's in he's going forward. He will no longer be on a two fifty F. So absolutely. Uh, I'm a fan of Christian and we saw it last year many times the speed and yeah, podiums for sure. I, I, I'd put him in the mix for that. Okay. Let's move to Honda HRC. So uh, amazing collision when you get Caroli back and Dungey back and Ken Roxon disappeared from the sport after Daytona. It was a terrible supercross season except for the round one win. Uh, but now he's back. I talked to him yesterday. He said he's all in. He's feeling good. He doesn't want to make any bold proclamations. But then an hour later, he went on Instagram and was dropping F-bombs and saying, I'm going to be better than ever. So I don't know exactly where Ken's head is at, but he is certainly coming into these races expected to be a contender or not. I'm just going to try it. So that's awesome to have him back. The combination of Dungey and Tomac and Caroli and Roxon. Who would have thought we'd have all those guys battling in a racetrack again? Um, but Steve, is this the same old Ken Roxon? He'll probably win races. I don't probably have issues. Are we just going to go back to that? Yeah, I take umbrage, Weege, with your talk at the beginning of the show about the wild card being Ryan Dungey. The wild card is Ken Roxon. Wilder like, than Weege, a guy retired I... for six years. Yeah, because if I told you, Weege, he wins the championship or goes 1-1 at three or four races, you'd go, yep, right? Of course. Yeah. So, And what if I told you, hey, man, he gets eighth to tenth and pulls out halfway through the year? I can see a world where there's more, even though Dungey at first said he's only racing the first two, odds might be better of Dungey racing 12 than Roxon. Thank you. Thank you. So that to me is a definition of a wild card. Uh, Ken Roxon, everybody strap in and, and enjoy the ride. Cause it's going to be amazing. He, I, I think we're just going to see more of the same, right? We'll see some weekends with blazing speed. We don't really know. We in his podcast with you, did he talk about what he had and is he healthy now or was it more vague terms? He, he thinks so. It was, it was uh, the EPV was flaring up at one point and then he had a bout with COVID that actually affected his head, COVID brain. Uh, and that really knocked him back. He thinks he's got it solved. But I think as we know with Ken, he's thought he's had it solved many times. And when it comes down to super hot and humid races and, and 12 rounds and about 15 weekends, uh, it's always tough. You, you kind of, originated that theory uh but at least as of now he seems pretty confident he's also got of course the teammate over there chase sexton so so what do you think jt of the the honda boys prospects for the summer well you know kenny i think he's uh i think it's fair for him to be a little upset on instagram because if people are counting him out just go back and look at the results last year look how great he was at the especially at the beginning of this series. Now the question is, and, and Steve has been, you know, very vocal on this part is that it does get tougher for him when you start to add up races, right? You get to round six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The temperatures ramp up. The fatigue is also ramping up. That is where Kenny has run into big issues. So I am of the belief that Kenny comes into these same rounds on the same tracks early in the season when he's fresh and not tired and his body is working with him. I don't have any doubt that he's on the podium and battling for wins and motos. I fully expect that the question remains. And, and this has been Steve's point. Can he maintain that rounds nine, 10, 11, 12, when the championship is really on the line? I don't know. Like until he can, I think we have to assume he can't. That's been the challenge for years now, ever since, 
these, you know, physical issues have started ailing him. JT, if he comes in and goes one, one, Apollo, I shrug my shoulders, right? No, I shrug my shoulders. Yeah. Right. Not at all. Nope. Uh, but there will be more F-bombs on Instagram if we doubt him again. But, yes, he has not yet proven that he can do 24 motos solid across the board since the injury and illness yeah. stuff started. Doubt- Obviously, he has proven it way back in the day, but it's been a while. Doubting yeah. Kenny, especially in the first half of the season, as it is at your own peril. That's a really bad idea. Yes. Uh, and there's so much buzz, of course, with his teammate Chase Sexton. It's so funny how all these guys are sticking with the sport and winning uh, at older ages than usual. Chase Sexton, at like 22 years old, now represents the youth movement, the young guy of 450 Supercross. That used to be prime. Now we've got everybody around 28 to 30 in their prime. Um, I feel like there's a real, it's just a matter of when, not if, with Sexton. But I don't take these things for granted, man. Sports is tough. You never know it's going to go. He's got a couple 450 national overalls to his name already. But 24 motos to, to win the title, I think he's got a few more steps to make. Uh, what do you guys think about Sexton? I'll start with you, Steve. Can he win this title, or are we still in the Sexton's working his way toward it phase? Well, we Javiah told you that Eric Lindros wouldn't have won a Stanley Cup or wouldn't have be, reached his potential as one of the best all-time players when he was in his peak. Would you have believed that? Uh, I would have to know who Eric Lindros is, I think, to, uh, to, to be able to make that comparison. Actually, okay. I'm joking. I met Eric Lindros once, yes, because uh, I went to college outside Philadelphia, and he was at like some benefit dinner, uh, and he was huge. That's all I know. He was a massive human being. Yeah. So was anyway, back to Chase. Yeah, he, he was very good, but he didn't reach his potential, but he showed ah. flashes of brilliance, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I was on the record of talking about Sexton making a run. In Supercross, he, you know, he definitely uh, – he had the fastest – he won the most heats this year. He was number two in fastest laps in the main events. He was number two in, in uh, pole positions, but just one win, right? I think it's more the same this summer. He's got to uh, work his way through things. He's got to figure it out. The veteran savvy and toughness of Ferrandis and Tomac, if he races, uh, will be formidable. So I kind of look – that's more the same from Sexton outdoors that we saw indoors. And then 2023 will be the year for number 23, uh, I think. Okay. What do you think on Sexton, JT? I'm kind of where Matt is. I still think there's a little bit of a bridge to get to that 24 moto championship level. What do you think? Yeah, I, I want to see him take the same steps in Lucas Oil Pro Motocross that he made in Supercross, right? He needs to be a podium contender and winning some motos to take that next step. Now he wasn't able to replicate that every weekend. There were far too many mistakes in supercross, but I think everybody would agree that he took a step in 2022 for supercross. He needs to take that same step for motocross that will eventually translate into more consistency and him there managing the bad days and nights will be the next step that he needs to do to win championships. But I just want to see him remain on that level. Because last year, he really wasn't. He couldn't go with guys like Ferrandis and, you know, these guys that were at the very top, Roxon when he was on. They simply had more speed than Sexton did. And I want to see Sexton be able to match that speed. I agree with you two. I don't think this is a championship year. It's just got to be continual steps forward. And the next step is to be to be standing on the top of the podium once or twice and be up there, you know, multiple podium motos as well. Hold on. He just won Paula, didn't he? I know, round. but I, but I, Paula, yeah. those those end of the year rounds, I don't really consider the same. You're missing a lot of talent. 
The championship guys don't care. Roxon's out of the series. Like there's a lot going on in those final rounds. I want to see him be at the front where you're like, I don't know. Sexton might be the fastest guy here, which is what we were saying in Supercross several rounds. I didn't really feel like that very often last summer. And I want to, that's what I want to see. Yeah, it's a little question. Sexton is a two-time 250 Supercross champion. He never had quite that level of success in motocross in a 250. He looked good at times, uh, but I believe only has one national win in a 250. So his career, he's always trended a little better indoors than out. But obviously, there's plenty of time for him to change that. Okay, it is an annual tradition on these shows. Our Maxis, where the rubber meets the road segment. Somebody's got to put up or shut up or make it happen. I'm going to say Ken Roxon is in that position right now. Uh, Steve, you yourself had even said, you know, Maybe he and Honda are going to head to a divorce when you look at how well the team switches had worked for Tomac and Anderson and Malcolm Stewart this year. Uh, I don't think there are many options actually left for Ken Roxon. Webb's going to be back at KTM, we believe, and the Omaha guys are just going to keep Tomac and Ferrandis. I could easily see Roxon being back at Honda, but what's his value? What's his level in the sport? Is he just back to the same old Ken Roxon who can win any title at any race at any time, or is he on the downside? He seems motivated to show otherwise. He's got to prove it this summer because Supercross obviously was a bust. That's where the Maxis rubber meets the road. Ken Roxon has got to get it done this summer and show that he's back to the level that we expect him to be. Now, we moved Mathis back to his uh, pulp studios. I know you wanted to enjoy pool life, but everything looks a lot better here. So thanks for moving, Steve. Yeah, I just tried to get away some of the noise, but, you know, hey, we'll deal with it as we can. Uh, by the way, Weege Maxis, what, what is that tire for? Is that for your kid's bike? Uh, it's for a pit bike. Yeah, it's for my pit bike. Yeah. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that is not got a pulp. It's a little easier to use on the show. Yeah. It's one that's that big. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. Uh, no, listen, uh, I'm with you. Roxon's options are dwindling uh, and he has to prove something. If he can get this championship and put me in the skeptical category for getting a championship outdoors, you know, his value to Honda just jumps right up and he resigns. Right. But if he can't get it through another series and you're right, we just options are dwindling on where he's going to go. He probably takes a lower money deal with Honda Supercross only, I would assume, and, you know, gets it done that way. But, yeah, there's a lot of money at stake here for Ken Roxon, uh, depending on what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like this is a – Ken's going to be a top guy for another couple more years, or he's on the downside. This might be the crossroads uh, right now. We've seen riders go in all directions at that level, and that will transition us to the next team that we're going to talk about, which is Monster Energy Kawasaki we thought that Jason Anderson was headed to that level. We thought we had seen the best of Jason Anderson. He makes a team switch. It was an absolute revelation. He was almost as good as Eli Tomac, almost as good as the champion in Supercross this year, won the same amount of races, ended the year with a four-race win streak. Now, I know the caveat on Anderson is that he's actually never even won a single overall outdoors in either class in his entire career. But I feel like that's, that's a little weird. I think it shows that he's – that would – lead you to think he's terrible outdoors he's been close he's won motos by big margins many times jt is anderson like ah write him off he's just a supercross guy or is anderson actually someone we need to be looking at at the very top tier outdoors just like we did in stadiums what do you think jt i think the the key for anderson is to find consistency at that level uh, I think he he impressed all of us a couple years ago. Loretta Lynn's national. He goes out and he wins that moto running away. I mean, it was a runaway victory. And I will be the first to admit I was shocked. I could not believe what I was watching. But he really struggles to find that same level week in and week out. And I kind of think it's the same as Sexton, right? I think they can have flashes of brilliance. They get a start. They're feeling it. They can go win a moto. No problem. But to win this series, you have to be there moto in and moto out. And you can't 
you know, take weekends off where you get, you know, you go seven, seven, like th- that doesn't really translate into titles. So to me, a is Anderson's head in this series because coming off of a, such a great supercross series, it would be easy to lose interest a little bit and B he needs to get those, those bad weekends out of his game. If he really wants to be taken seriously, as far as championships go. Yeah. Uh, I think his head's in the right place. He's obviously working super hard right now. I, I think he can surprise some people because I think he can win some races, which would seem surprising since this whole, he has never won one tag is there. It shouldn't actually be that surprising, but that's the way it's going to look if it happens. Uh, what do you think? Same thing there, Steve, is Anderson actually just not an outdoor guy or is it uh, a little underrated and he's more capable than we think? Listen, I think we each, when you talked about that stat of him never winning an outdoor is a little bit misleading. No, it's not. No, it's not misleading. He's never won an outdoor. So okay. yeah, you got to get it done. But in honor of Maxima, okay. contact cleaner. My prediction is he goes a clean 1-1 this summer at a race, maybe more, but I'll give him one and breaks that streak. And one, Jason one. Anderson will win an outdoor overall this summer, and he will go 1-1 in a clean sweep. Oh, it wow. happens. He, he's been so good this year. Uh, I know that bugs him. That outdoor thing bugs him. I talked to somebody that's close to him. I have not spoken to Jason about it. I think, uh, but uh, yeah, he uh, he will he will do it this summer. I really believe this is a better version of Jason Anderson than we've ever seen before. He hit another gear with the Cowie guys, and so yep, they get it done. That bike. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Eli Tomac won a lot of nationals on that bike. So the Cowie guys know what it takes. They know how the bike works. Jason's better than ever. Stamp it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're going with the Bill Parcells. Your record is, you you are what your record says you are, which is no yeah. wins. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's been many races that he could have won, and he just wasn't quite good enough to beat Eli Tomac when no one could beat Eli Tomac, and he would get well, second. And that well, could have been Weech, five a lot of races. Right there. a lot of races Tim Ferry could have won, Weech. Also, but there was a number four there. And so, it is what it is. Yes. So, so sometimes the record doesn't show how well you're riding. Okay, teammate, not Adam Cincerullo. He has an ACL injury. He's not planning on being back on a bike to like July. So it pretty much rules him out. Maybe he could come back for the, like the last round. There's no real point there at the riders at that level. Don't do that. So Cowie did go for a replacement rider this summer. They didn't fill in Cianciolo's spot in Monster Energy AMA Supercross, but they did fill it in here for Lucas Oil Promoter Cross. And JT, it ends up being Joey Savacci back at Cowie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got to be a, this has got to be somewhat of a victory for Savacci, right? He, he tears his ACL, has to get that fixed brutal injury. As we know, then the team he's on is going through all sorts of problems and there's controversy and all sorts of things. He departs that team and then falls into a monster energy factory Kawasaki spot. Like that is such a great landing spot that most riders on the planet would covet, especially coming off of an injury, especially coming off of your team, having a lot of issues. So I don't know how you could draw it up any better for Joey Savacci with all of those variables to land here in a spot that just a few short years ago, he thrived in. I would argue that he deserved to stay in that spot. If it weren't for, you know, this phenom of Adam Cincerillo moving up, coming off of a 250 motocross, you know, motocross title, I think Joey stays there. And Joey probably has that in the back of his mind is like, this was my spot anyway. And now I'm getting another shot at it. So it will be challenging. I think coming off an injury, we all know he hasn't ridden for months and he's just gotten back on the bike and it, that's going to take some time to work through. But if he was looking for an opportunity to make good and impress people and set himself up for 2023, this is it. 
Steve, does it not show you uh, the difference in a rider's mentality, how desperate they are to have to come back to get a ride? So seeing Cerullo and Savachi, they almost got torn ACLs at almost the exact same time. Adam's like, I'll see you in 2023. Joey's like, Cowie's got a bike. I'll be racing. It's funny how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Joey told me he was on the bike three weeks ago now until it got repoed because of, we all know the, the other uh, team he was on and their issues they had. So yeah, we absolutely, there's a guy with a, with a, you know, an up and coming guy with a contract in his pocket and the other guy wants a ride badly, right? And nothing shows the difference there, but congratulations to uh, fly racing for inking Joey Savacci uh, on the green team. Also to JT, you guys fly racing guys. We needed some outdoor people out there. Um, yeah, look, this is going to be tough. Like, you know, ACLs are no joke and, and everyone points to Stu coming back and crushing it four months after tearing it. But that's Stu, and that's one time. I'll show you the other times that took the dudes, you know, months and months to get up to speed and to trust it, right, and to, and to feel it and trust it. So uh, a slow start for Joey. Uh, from there, though, 5 to 10, absolutely. And uh, as JT mentioned, very, very good summer on Team Green the first time around, just bike issues and the impending arrival of Adam Cincerillo booted him. But other than that, um, yeah, it was a good summer for him. Okay, so uh, that is that team. Uh, JT, a little later in the show, we will ask you who you're going to be your pick to fly. Who's going to fly this summer? We'll get there in a little bit. But, yeah, that's a cool signing there to have Savachi there in the factory Cowie colors. Um, speaking of ACL injuries, a couple of, a little bit of news is starting to cross my desk. I believe there are thoughts out there that Malcolm Stewart, who was supposed to finally return to Lucas Oil promote across this year with his new deal, Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, we all saw what looked like a pretty brutal crunch of the knee for him. I believe that was when we were in St. Louis for Supercross. I now hear that he might be headed for knee surgery, and we might not get Malcolm Stewart, but I'm not sure. We'll know, obviously, by the time the season begins. So a lot of turnover and turmoil over there at Rockstar Husky. Zach Osborne was their outdoor guy. He ended up retiring before this season after he won the title two years ago. Anderson moves to Cowie. Uh, their other guy is supposed to be Dean Wilson. I won't even describe the injury he had, but he's out for a little while. So out of nowhere, JT, Shane McElrath comes on board, and now McElrath might be the only guy there. It's crazy. Right, and, and if Mookie is indeed out, does that open the door for McElrath to stay? Because yep. right now, it was a four-race deal. They announced it. Awesome for McElrath, a la Joey Savashi moving to Cowie. Shane McElrath was in the same position where he was looking for a home. You know, He thought he was safe for the season, and he wasn't. Now he gets on-factor equipment, and just like you said, maybe – he ends up being there throughout the season. So for as bad as it looked for these guys, I, and I talked to Shane, he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to turn. He didn't have any options. That's a pretty great option to end up on factory level equipment on the Rockstar Husqvarna team. Uh, Steve, do we have to take any shots here? I'm sure the YouTube commenters will and say that Malcolm never planned on racing outdoors and he's faking all of this. Cause it looks, the timing does look, look <laughs> suspect. It is, uh, it is weird. Malcolm, of course, signed a two-year deal indoors and out, and we all rubbed our hands together waiting for him to um, ride outdoors for the first time in God knows uh, seven to eight years, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, looks like he'll be out. Uh, yeah, I, as I understood it, it was going to be Malcolm and then Shane McElrath riding Dino's bike until Dino got ready, and then he would be booted for Wilson. But now, yeah, like JT said, uh, McElrath all summer long now, and then uh, Dean will jump in whenever he's ready from his gluteus maximus injury. And, uh, you know, so yeah, a good team, solid team. Uh, Shane's, Shane's uh, time since he left uh, Troy Lee Designs KTM, went to Star, then Moto Concepts, and then BBMX. 
it'll be forever sort of analyzed as a what if, if he can't kind of get back to where he was and, and, you know, I, I don't think he's going to ever be a title threat, but he could certainly be a top five or six guy, you know, if he was all healthy, but he has missed some serious time and he's had some serious adjustments and curveballs thrown at him um, in his, in his time the last little while. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Shane can get it back. Missed time is never good. Well, yeah, we can't, we can't, and we can't discount his time at Monster Star Yamaha, right? He went down to the wire with Chase Sexton for that Supercross championship. That that was a truly great Supercross season. Did he get the championship? No, but I mean, it, it was by all means a very successful season. Since then, I would agree with you uh, that it had it's been all over the place for him. But two years ago, when we left out that Salt Lake Seven, we were all like, "Yeah, Shane's really good. Like he should be good going into 2021 as well." It's just been a really rocky road since then. Uh, JT, you uh, raced with uh, with a torn ACL. Explain to people how it is possible that Malcolm could have tore his ACL at St. Louis and then still raced a few Supercrosses, but would eventually have to get that fixed because it's probably a head-scratcher for some, but I think it's actually pretty common that riders do this. Yeah, I, I did it twice. Uh, one time, I still am on the, the back end of that. I never did get it fixed. The second time never allowed me to really get back to 100% movement and all those things, and I had constant pain, so... Knee injuries are, are an interesting deal. Uh, every, they're all different. I had two. They were wildly different in how they responded on the back end of them. Um, and for Mookie, I could understand how he would be riding through pain. When you get the adrenaline going, you can tape it up. You can kind of take the uh, a little bit of the burden off his knee. So if it is indeed torn, which I, I don't know if it is or not, I, I could understand that. I would be very surprised, though, having said that, that he was able to come back the next weekend and look as good as he did. There, there wasn't a significant drop-off. For me, I had to take a couple of weekends off, get the inflammation out, and try to get some sort of strength back in it. He didn't seem like he had any sort of step down in performance. So that was, to me, the more curious part of it. Well, and yeah. JT, yep. let's not, you know, when we're talking about Stu's comeback and, and Malcolm being out, let's not forget the host of this show is doing this very <laughs> podcast three weeks after ACL surgery. I mean, it's phenomenal and uh, he should be applauded well, for what he's been doing. We don't like to use the word hero very often, but mm-hmm. when it's due, yep. there you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, got, I got a knee brace. Now, look at these squats I can do right now. No problem. No problem. Two weeks. Yep. It's been, it's, it's been uh, 15 days. Incredible. It's incredible, yep. Weege, what you're doing. Uh, actually, uh, we're, this is very new, this information on Malcolm. He might end up bracing the opener. We're just hearing the very beginning stages of this decision. So by the time this video is out, we'll probably know uh, if he's in or he's out. Uh, one thing I do want you all to know is how our streaming service will work. If you're watching these races on TV, MavTV will have all the motos except for three races. Thunder Valley, Redbud, and Southwick will air with motos on NBC. So three of the four motos those days will be on. Oh, there you go. We'll be on Mav TV. But if you want to watch the streaming service, it's not Peacock this summer. It's Mav TV Plus. We'll give you a discount. Go to the link that we have on RacerX or promotocross.com. I like the logo there, Steve. Uh, we'll give you $10 off a yearly membership to Mav TV Plus. Type in ProMX10. Or if you want to do the monthly membership, type in ProMX50. And we'll give you 50% off the monthly charge. So I believe it's $6.99 a month. We'll charge you half that, $3.49 a month. But you got to type in ProMX50. For 50% off the monthly pl- plan or Pro MX10 for $10 off the annual plan. We all love Mav TV these days for various reasons. JT and I and the motocross shows and Steve Listen, with Hope I, on Mav TV. I would never, I would never take the money and sell out. 
okay. integrity of Pulp MX. No. Okay. That's just, never. that would never happen. No. You, you, your standards and practices have suddenly ratcheted way up in one episode of your show all of a sudden. Wonder why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's uh, Husqvarna. We're still waiting to see what the situation is with Stewart. Uh, we know that eventually Dean Wilson should be back and Shane McElrath will be the fill in over there. Um, this kind of happens in every series these days. Although Justin Barsha is the wild child, he's crazy, he's aggressive, this year probation and then penalties and then more penalties. At the same time, Justin Barsha is also kind of like the reliable guy of the 450 class. He probably should have been mentioned earlier on this show as a contender, but there's no change really with Justin Barsha. You're going to get the same thing every time. That's full effort. He's on the same bike and team he was last year. Shout out to New Ray with the new Justin Barsha toy, uh, the Red Bull Troy Lee Designs gas gas machine coming our way. Let's not forget... Mathis, Barsha even won an overall last year. He's good outdoors, too. I grabbed my bat for this one. You know, oh, Bam okay. Bam Bam. Bam. Uh, okay, so I was pretty critical of Bam Bam uh, for his move at Salt Lake City on Malcolm, and I, I do think that was a garbage move and you know not something that he uh, usually does, but JT and I battle a lot over Barsha and his contact. I'm generally okay with most of the things that he does, but not at Salt Lake. Now, having said that, I want to also praise Bam Bam because – yeah, like you talk about, you know, Tomac's remarkable Ironman streak of races lined up just ended. Uh, Barsha doesn't have quite as much streak, but indoors and out, top five, trying his hardest, pushing it hard. You never hear Barsha say, I want to do Supercross only. You never hear Barsha say, you know, I, I can't handle this. Never hear Barsha walk around with a trainer. You never hear Barsha switching trainers. You never hear burned out. Never hear burned out. You never hear burned out. The guy nope. puts in his work by himself with him and Wilbur Hahn now and, and does his thing, does his program and, and consistently is top five indoors and out. So props to Justin Barsha. I look for more of the same from him. He will get on the podium, maybe win a race, be top five most of the summer and uh, cause some controversy. In fact, he will make some contact Ooh. out there with somebody at some point. And JT and I will argue about it on the review show on Sunday. And Barsha will say it was just good racing. Yeah, Barsha, you can't count him out, JT. It's almost like he's so always in the hunt that we forget that he's always in the hunt because he's just always there. Yeah, and he will be again. He yeah. will be at the end of the series when all the dust clears and all the storylines are written. He'll be top five in the series. It's just what he does. And I'm sure he probably wants more than that. He wants to be a title contender. He wants to be winning races, but it just hasn't worked out. And that's not that's not a knock against him. That's actually a credit to him that year in and year out, he's always there. Now, every year he gets a little bit older and his chances of winning this title probably get a little bit lower because if you go back to 2015, 2016, 24, like he was winning a lot, he was whole shotting a lot and he was always up there. He was t winning some motos and things. We haven't really seen that from him. You know, he did win the one overall last year, but there haven't been many weekends lately going into a Lucas Oil promotocross race where I'm like, yeah, I think Barsha wins this weekend. I just haven't thought that. And maybe that's, maybe that's on me. Maybe I should, but that's where I think he needs to get to is where like, man, this is kind of Barsha's time right now. I just haven't really felt like that in a while. Can I, can I interject here? JT, you're going to be the podium guy this summer. Mm -hmm. How are you going to approach a BAM incident? Carefully. Okay. Just good racing. It's just good racing. <laughs> don't even know why you would ask. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I, and honestly, for me, the, to really answer that, I would ask him, 
how do you view that incident? Because I know how I, I already know how I'm going to view it because I've seen it a hundred times and well, I've pretty much viewed them all the same. So I'm, I'm much more curious these days in his perspective, which I give him credit at Salt Lake. At least he said, Hey, that's me. This is always going to be me. This has been me from day one. This is how I race. You know, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm okay with that. Would I want to race against him? Absolutely not. What I don't like is when he goes, I'm not that guy anymore. Why are you asking me about that? I don't even race that way anymore. That to me, I don't like that really annoys me when he just owns it and says, yeah, this is me, man. You, you should know that this is what I'm going to do. I'm good. Like, okay, at least own it. And then everybody race accordingly and know it's coming at that point. I'm praying for him to not own it on the podium with JT to follow up with. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't oh. know, man. <laughs> okay. Hey, I mean, if I'm allowed to do stuff like that, if I'm encouraged to not be antagonistic, but to ask harder questions, I'm okay with it. Like I, because I, I don't like when somebody tells me something or tries to tell America something that doesn't make any sense. Like if that's not what we're seeing, then it should be, there should be a follow-up question of like, well, that's not exactly what we just watched, right? Like you're telling me this, but you're telling me it's dark outside when clearly I see the sun, you know what I mean? Like that, I don't like that stuff. A couple other teams that we're going to talk about here. Um, you know what? It's time. It's time to do it. Club of X Yamaha, they're going to assault both classes. They'll have Enzo Lopes racing in the 250 class. We were really looking forward to our guy, Phil Nicoletti, coming in here on the Muckoff Club of X FXR Yamaha with a full head of steam. Well, it looked like a great Supercross campaign, but unfortunately, Phil broke his arm. Probably won't see him back till I think, Millville. But there's a lot of intrigue with two other riders over there. First, Garrett Marchbanks, a bigger dude, is going to get a shot at a 450 outdoors. And a young, hotshot, up-and-coming rookie of the year in Supercross, Steve Mathis, Troll Train, Alex Martin, 450 Outdoors. What say you? Well, we saw what happened in Supercross. We, we did. saw the speed and we saw the awards come flowing in. So why hey. not for outdoors? We're better outdoors than indoors. That's indisputable. Not even JT can argue the fact that Troll Train, <laughs> not even me, is better outdoors than in. That's indisputable. And so we got an award indoors. We showed raw speed. We qualified within the top 10 twice. And yeah, just more domination coming, more raining down results are coming outdoors. Uh, we are a past winner of outdoor nationals. And so, yeah, welcome to a world of hurt, everyone. Wow. Wow. Uh, and March Bank's pretty intriguing, too. He was actually top five in points on a non-factory 250 first couple rounds last year. Then things really started to go sideways with his health and some bike issues. But March Banks is better, I think, outdoors than indoors as well. And he finally won't be out of power deficit with his weight. Uh, so that's a pretty formidable lineup, especially when they get Phil back, who we, if he can pick up where he left off in Supercross, Phil probably be pretty good. So that's a good trio right there, JT. Yeah, I, I think their chances are pretty good. March Banks has always impressed me when he's upright. The guy can really ride a motorcycle. Now, I don't know if his health is going to cooperate. I don't know if he's going to crash as he did very, very often this Supercross season. Those are more the questions. It's not about ability or capability or any of those things. I think equipment that, that, you know, YZF 450 is great. Um, and then you transition into troll train. I don't know how Alex Martin does on the 450 outdoors. He is oh a much God. better oh motocross rider than he is Supercross. Steve's point is, is valid. Absolutely. Those rides where he won the Loretto Lens national incredible. 
But getting onto the 450, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen him ride a 450 outdoors. Is he a top 10 guy? Is he a top 15 guy? Is he trying to push in the top five? I don't know the answer to it. I'm, I'm trying to go into this open-minded and just kind of let the results play out. Um, I think it's going to be really important for him to get good starts, though, and put himself in a good position. Because if he can get up there with go- those guys and see the pace and feel comfortable, that's going to make his life a lot easier than trying to have to fight through from 18th. You're going to be talking to him a lot this summer, so you might want to just brush up on troll train knowledge. (laughs) I'm all for it. (laughs) Is the bike too big for him, JT? Is that the problem? I don't think the bike – I don't think a standard 450 is too big for him. The bike that they have given him is too big for him. I don't know what that is. It's some sort of XL version. It's gigantic. The wheels are at least 27 inches around. It's the, it's the biggest motorcycle I've ever seen. In my it's life. like the difference. I got the new Ray toys back here. It's like, we got one of these and then you got one of these. You got right. two different sizes. Yeah. It's built to scale. Like that bike is probably one to eight. This yeah. is like a five to one scale okay. motorcycle. Hey, I do want to make a point about March bank. So uh, this will be good for him to jump up to the bigger bike. He is a bigger guy, as we said, but to me, March banks lets his emotions get a hold of him. Like if things aren't going well on the track, he gets passed or he falls. He's, he's too uh, immature. Maybe isn't the right word, but I'm, I'm struggling for the right word. So I'll use immature. He's too immature to sort of regroup. Like if he makes a mistake, he tries to, you know, not regroup, but just get it back right away. Or if he's not on pace, he tries to wick it up and go on pace and then ends up on the ground. So, sometimes you just don't have it. And sometimes you just got to bring it home for a seventh or an eighth or whatever. And sometimes these are the things that keep you upright. To me, you watched Garrett Marchbanks on the track and you see speed and you see everything else, but everything has to be perfect for that. And if anything goes wrong, uh, he doesn't seem to have the capability to just regroup. It's just, I'm going to go faster, faster, faster till I fall. Um, so he's got to fix that to me in my, in my opinion. And maybe, and maybe the 450 fixes that for him. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's almost like he wants it too bad and he wants to just kick everybody's ass so badly yeah. that it goes the wrong direction. Yep. Yeah. And yep. it needs yep. to be a little bit more the the NFL quarterback cliche where not too high, not too low, right? Good days yeah. and bad days. It's it's never as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. And then a little bit more even keel because it's like this. It's roller coaster results and emotion. I, I agree with that. One other team we want to talk about here, and uh, this is the opposite, actually, situation with the, the brick, Brandon Hartraft, who has become as rock solid as they come with the Twisted T, HEP, Suzuki team with the help from Progressive Insurance as well. Uh, man, I thought that uh, Hartraft's time in a sport might be over. It was absolutely terrible as a rookie in Supercross last year on a 450. He finally got it back going late and outdoors last year, and he absolutely carried that into Supercross. I think it was the most improved guy in Supercross this year. I think he went from outside of the top 20 in points last year to eighth this year. I know some guys were hurt, but to make up like 16 positions and points, it's more than just injuries. Uh, he's absolutely solid and making the RM army look good. His teammates, Justin Bogle, he's kind of the opposite. You get a couple of amazing runs for Bogle and then a couple of bad ones. He's all over the map, but uh, Hartraft and Bogle, what do you think about those two on the twisted T bikes? They're going to be having fun over there in that pit. I can guarantee you, Mathis, what do you think of those two? I would take umbrage with your word that Hartraft was terrible. In his 450 Supercross season, uh, it wasn't great. I, I would agree with Weege. He was getting I don't passed think it was LCQs. He was, like, privateers yeah, but, were blowing by him. It was terrible. Yeah, but he was in almost every man. Did he miss any he mains? Not. He missed yes, two? He, he missed a bunch. Yeah. Two? He was terrible. Three? 
You don't remember like Cade Clayson blowing by him in LCQs like he would start second and couldn't maintain the top okay, four Okay, okay, all right, okay. Yeah. So, all right, yeah. we, we agree to disagree on that. Uh, yeah, big jump for Hartraff for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely solid. Uh, better outdoor guy than indoor guy. That's that's fine too. I think that's a fair statement to make. And yep, uh, a lot of seven to nines. Mm-hmm. Brandon Hartraff this summer and nothing wrong with that. Um, solid results. RM Army, kick, keep, keep it on kicking. It's almost like JT. It's like, this is how you build a team. You get one guy who pulls starts and does crazy flashy stuff, Bogle. And then you have another guy who's just going to give you the exact same thing consistently every week. That's what that team has built over there at Twisted T Suzuki. Yeah, it's, and they have improved. That's the, the important part. Um, and I think this Lucas Oil Promotocross series last year was really the turnaround for Hartraft, and he was able to transition that into Supercross this year. So let's see if he can even take another step as we transition into motocross again. Um, I think Bogle probably doesn't want to be the guy that gets a good start and then doesn't do anything. I- I'm sure he wants to do much better than that, but it's been a struggle for Bogle is, is whether it's bike issues or body issues or whatever has been going on. You can see the talent there for Bogle. You can see the ability. He's he led laps in supercross main events this year, twice, like not many people can say that. So the, the underlying ability is still there. And you got to think one of these times he's going to put it together and get a, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth in a moto or an overall. So that's going to be, can he springboard off of that result and really try to make something out of this? Because otherwise it sinks back into that, that, you know, um, classification of good starter. And then what? Here's the part of the show where we get people mad because we probably have 20 other guys we could mention, but 450 outdoors has traditionally been super unpredictable. So it's just like we need to put a giant question mark on the screen. There will be someone who we are not even thinking about right now who by about round nine or ten is going to be absolutely killing it. This is the Gavin Graysick Award. It was Cody Shock was that guy last year. Someone is in the hinterlands. What's that? Cody Cody Cooper. Cooper. Yes. Someone is in the hinterlands who's going to come out of nowhere and be a top ten guy, and they'll be begging that he should be on factory equipment and get some other factory guy off the bike. Who will be this year's Cody Shock? Cody Shock, I believe, is only just getting ACL surgery right about now, so I don't think he's in for the summer at all. So it won't be him, unfortunately. Um, can I can I put a, a contenders out there? Uh, oh, okay. It looks like the BBMX team is coming back for all the right. summer. Okay. Fast Freddie Nolan, mm-hmm. Benji Bloss. Another oh, run on that team for Benny. An- Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Benny's back. Yeah. Uh, that seems like it's going to happen as we do this on May thirteenth. Uh, I know they're calling around for product and, and the riders are making deals and all of that. So both guys fast outdoors, right? Um, yeah. So perhaps those are two guys that we're talking about that are, are you know, in the top 10 and floating around the top 10, uh, Benny Bloss and Freddie Norn, uh, people's champions, both good dudes and, and good outdoor guys. So that would be my suggestion off the top as far as uh, who could do something. Um, Colin Park is going to try some 450 nationals for that phoenix team he's i think he's got a bright future um so i I think he could do something at the races he's at i know they're not doing the whole schedule but um yeah a couple of guys that come to mind and then you know chiz says he's coming out uh to a few so you know and he's you just know he's gonna be good when he does show up all right it's predictions time we're gonna pick our riders that we think are gonna fly i'll go to ujt first we will try to Try to guess who's going to win this title. I believe we all picked Cooper Webb to win the 2022 Supercross Championship, so we're pretty bad at this. JT, you used to be good. You would pick titles accurately for like five consecutive years. I just went Dungy every time. 
It was oh, easy. <laughs> I just just picked on G, and you're gonna look great. Well, I don't know if that's where you want to go, but shockingly enough, he's back on the board as an option. JT, give me your. <laughs> I can't pick. do it. He's back. I can't do it. He's I'm back. also not picking he's Mark back. Barnett. I'm not picking Mark Barnett. All right, and I'm not picking Pierre Carsmakers either. Uh, I will go your defending champ, Dylan Ferrandez. Uh, I like how this sets up for him. We don't know where Tomac is. We know the issues that Ken Roxon has to deal with time and time again. I don't think that Ryan Dungey is going to be a title guy six years removed. It all lines up for Ferrandez. He's prepared. He took months off away from Supercross series just to be ready for this series. And you look at him last year at how good he was. To me, it's pretty clear he should be the favorite going in. Who's your pick to fly? Who's going to fly this summer, Steve, and win this 450 championship? Well, for the Supercross title, I picked Tomac forever uh, and got it wrong, and then I switched to Webb, and it was Tomac. So, yeah, great. Great. That was awesome. Um, uh, I will go – man, I'm having a hard time. Like, okay, so I don't think Tomac does all the rounds, okay? I don't think Kenny can withstand uh, 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 an illness or, you know, some sort of uh, virus all summer. And, and yeah, from there, it leaves me two guys, Ferrandis and Jason Anderson. It, it really does. And I, I, I am so torn, but I ride blue crew. Dylan rides blue crew and we must stick together. Dylan Ferrandis repeats as a 450 motocross champion. Okay. Is there, is there any shot that Tony Cairoli just blows us all away and gets this done? Is there any chance? No. None. Yeah. Title. I, I say, I, I don't think so. One thing that concerns me there is I believe that this is a, it's like an 80% I'm racing and like a 20%. I just want to have fun. I'm kind of retired. I don't feel like it's a, I have to win championships level Tony Caroli like he would have been for 15 years in the MXGP tour. And that's what concerns me a little bit. Yeah. But, I, I think there, I think he is preparing more than people realize. Okay. Uh, I don't think he wants to come over here and, just make it a vacation. I don't think that's what he wants to do. Now, is it the level of pressure he faced in MXGP? Of course not. No, because nobody's expecting that of him. But I think he is secretly and quietly preparing much more than people would realize. Because think about what he could accomplish if he could come over here and be at that level and be good. And he, just like we are talking about, he understands the landscape. He understands Eli has a knee injury now. He understands. Mookie may have a knee injury. He understands that Ferrandis will be great. He's seen Kenny fall off towards the end of the series. He understands Cooper Webb's not racing. So he's looking around going, okay, I've got Dungy who hasn't raced for six years, and I've got all these guys with other issues. Why can't I surprise everybody? That doesn't mean he's going to win the title, but I think his, the possibility of him doing really well and being a podium guy for 12 rounds is going up by the week, even by the day. I think it's going up as we get more and more news of guys maybe taking the summer off or maybe not being 100%. You didn't even throw in Troll Train there, which is disappointing. Again, JT on his legacy. Well, I didn't um, get to pick who my my uh, underdog was to break out. I was going Troll Train, but I didn't even get it thrown to me. On okay, that, so. thank you. I think I think like all GP riders when they come over, uh, Antonio Caroli will will find the lack of practice time on the track shocking to him to get everything down and quick, um, you know, and I think the tracks are pretty different over here. So I just think it's so rad. He's here. I would put, if both dudes do 12 rounds, I would put Ryan Dungey ahead of Antonio Caroli in points just for familiarity sake. Um, 
but they, you know, that's just my opinion. I don't think I would give Ryan Dungey a better title chance than Antonio Caroli as well. Weege, what about you? Uh, man, that's a really tough argument. I was thinking those exact same things. It's just, this is a known commodity with Dungey, but six years off is a long time. Uh, I'm still going to give Dungey the edge because I think it's a little more likely that Dunge just sticks with it for 12 rounds. And there's a chance that if it goes a little sideways for Caroli, I think if it goes sideways for either Dunge will stick it out and keep thinking, I'm going to figure it out where Caroli will be like, you know what? I raced a few of these. That's cool. I'm retired. See ya. And I just want to tell the fans who are watching. And if you're watching this preview or listening to this pod or whatever, you're a pretty hardcore fan. So you get it, but do not boo Antonio Caroli. If he, if he beats the Americans or do not, Nobody's going to do that. No, 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 no. This is an all-timer, a great guy. It's awesome to have him here. He's got everything to lose and nothing to gain by coming over and racing our series. It's fantastic to have him here. And 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 so just be, and go talk to him. Go and he's one of the coolest guys and, and nicest and classiest champions we've ever seen. On top of all the, the accolades, like him off the track. Yeah, so don't boo him. He's such a great person. Of he's course, not getting booed. I, I can't imagine somebody's no. going to boo him. Well, well, Ferrandis, unless he takes out Mookie or Dylan takes out Ferrandis Christian Craig. Got booze. <laughs> not because of, not just because he was French. It was because of prior incidents. I, I, I don't believe he was getting booed just because he's not American. I don't believe that. Okay. You know, he did, he did take Brayton out at Paris. Crowley did last year. So I might boo him actually. Now that I, <laughs> I might be one guy. I might Great dump point. my head out of the trailer. The, the guy in the booth is, is going to be booing. very, yes. very anti Antonio Crowley all year long. He's lucky. He's lucky that we on the number 10 decided this year to give everyone a break from outdoors. Yeah. yeah we would have right. gotten our revenge. Good yes. point. Does, does, uh, does troll get another trophy? Cause I believe there is an outdoor rookie of the year trophy given out as well. Uh, there has been four fifty ones in the past, but I haven't seen it in the last couple of years. Cause there's not always rookies. I don't know. Sure. He would be the best rookie. I don't know who else is in March there. Banks. I guess March Banks. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say that those are the two yeah. that I would look to. I have not picked the title pick, but I'm going to do it right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Eli Tomac. I'm not as worried about the knee. Um, and I just think he's at a super high level right now in Supercross. I mean, we're buzzing about how good Anderson was. Anderson won the last four. But really, Tomac was 1A until that knee injury came along. If he can get it fixed uh, or heal up, uh, obviously it's going to be tough to go through Ferrandis. But uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to go with Eli running the table, and we'll see who's right at the end of the year. I don't want to pick okay. this. Okay, wait, 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 wait. If Tomac races all 12, he's my title pick. So I, I'm, I'm putting an asterisk. Oh, <laughs> if he's all 12, he's my title pick. Okay. And if Kenny has Kenny's body miraculously is fine. You also yeah. pick him. That, that's also, I also pick Kenny. Yeah, I right, also right, pick right. Kenny if his body's fine. Right. And I pick Ryan Dungey if he's up to speed and looking great. I'll pick Got Ryan Dungey. So, yep. And uh, Caroli, if he can get used to the format and tracks. <laughs> yeah. It should be oh. mentioned that, uh, you know, I think Caroli with the one day format won't be as bad because remember since COVID they went back to a one day, right? They're back to two now, but for the last two years, they've been back to one day. So that should get him a little yeah. bit more. KT, he's raced all those tracks 14 times. He's fine in Europe. He, he, he didn't need the more, the extra time. Here Someone is screaming. Ferrandis, how did Ferrandis deal with those when he came over pretty well? well? He didn't win the championship. Someone's screaming at their computer right now saying Hurley's came over and went one, one in Ironman one time. They're just screaming okay. that at their computer yeah, right now. So yeah. we acknowledge your screams. Yes. yes. We acknowledge your screams. That's hurlings at a very, very, very high level uh, in that year. All right. That's it for our show for our four fifties. Again, uh, make sure to watch everything on Mav TV and uh, subscribe to Mav TV plus. If you want to watch it streaming, if you do not get Mav TV or if you're a cord cutter, or if you just want to be able to watch it wherever you go, Lucas oil promo across, go to promo to get your tickets. We'll see you at the races. Literally the three of us are going to be there in person 
JT will be sweating in the mechanics area and Mathis will be sweating somewhere else in the facility, but thinking it's ridiculous that JT would be there sweating. That's the way it's going to go this summer. Very odd. See you folks. We'll be back with part two with our two fifties. Thanks for watching here at racer X. That's the 450 class on the fly racing racer X podcast. Next up two fifty class again. Thank you to fly racing and Renthal and Maxis Cobolinks motorsport.com all balls racing. UASA batteries, and uh, Onyx Maps, all on board, as are you people, with all of us. Hope you're enjoying it. All right, here's part two. Welcome to your 250 class preview, Lucas Oil Pro Moto Cross Championship here on Racer X. Jason Wygant, I've been a broadcaster in this series for 12 years now, journalist for more than 20, joined by a man who's raced this series. Uh, can I just give the years, JT? What are we saying, like 97 through 13? Would that be better, Jason Thomas, so I don't have to do the math? Yeah, Europe into 2013, but uh, something like that. It, it, it was too long to really count. You would need some sort of like uh, like a sundial to okay. really sort this out. Yeah. All right. He'll help us break this down. And uh, JT and I will be both be part of the broadcast team on uh, MAV-TV and also uh, NBC, which have a couple of rounds this year as well. Lucas Oil Promote Across and Steve Mathis, former factory mechanic and internet rabble rouser who has his own show on MAV-TV now. I cannot believe this has been approved. Maybe you'll be canceled by the time that uh, we actually – have these videos posted, but welcome to the show. We're going to talk two fifties today. Get your tickets at promotocross.com. 12 rounds, 30 minutes, plus two, two classes, two motos every weekend, the traditional stops, all the COVID stuff and the weirdo scheduling is out. We're back to the normal races and the normal schedule. And we're also back to some normalcy in the two fifty class. We'll get to that in a minute. Just want to shout out our sponsors. We got uh, new Ray toys, got uh, some new gas, gas, Justin Barsha, Charlie designs, Red Bull stuff, DID chains, choice of uh, teams like the Red Bull KTM squad. Also, Maxima Lubricants, Maxis Tires, and of course, JT, you're there with uh, Fly Racing. So thanks to our sponsors there. But I was saying about the establishment, 250 class had a ton of riders graduate over the course of three or four years, which left, stuff, left us with virtually no riders with championship and race winning experience last year. So we got seven new Supercross winners in 250s last year. We got a new champion in uh, motocross last year with Jet Lawrence and two new champions in Supercross last year with Colt Nichols and Justin Cooper. Most of those guys are back. So now they're the established threats. But I got one big question here. Jet Lawrence has already won this title. He won the 250 East Supercross title this year. Is the 18-year-old Australia super popular Honda HRC man? It just is his. It just is his for the taking. Is it just Jet Summer? Or are we going to see some battles? JT, I'll let you go first on that one. He is the defending champion. I think he will be your champion. Now, is he going to win every moto and just run away with this thing? I don't necessarily think so. I think some of his competitors are getting back to form. We talk, we're going to talk about Austin Forkner. We're going to talk about Hunter Lawrence. We're going to talk about these guys that can, I think, give him everything he wants and more at certain times. But I do believe after 24 motos, when you see who the best guy is, who's the most consistent, who kind of has it all together, which is crazy to say about an 18-year-old, which will be turning 19 in the middle of this series, to me, he just has the whole picture, the starts, the fitness. He has this kind of low key approach to it where, you know, nothing really seems to phase him. And I think that serves him well in a series like this. What do you think? Is it the jet domination tour since he already showed he could win this title, Steve, against a lot of the same guys, or could it be different this summer? Yeah. Lots of Cooper, lots of questions about Justin Cooper, which we'll get to. Uh, it will not be a jet domination, but it will be, a Lawrence domination this summer. Mm. I think his brother Hunter will be in the mix third overall last season. And uh, Hunter had his best supercross season by far, of course. And yeah, raining red, I think this summer outdoors, unless, 
unless you can tell me that Justin Cooper's foot injury, which was pretty serious and kept him out is hundred percent healthy and he's ready to go. If you can tell me that I'll put Justin Cooper in the mix, but as it is, I like the two Lawrence brothers to uh, battle this thing out all summer long. Yeah, it is really interesting. Uh, uh, it was knockdown, drag out, hard to pick who was better between Cooper and Jet all year last year. But that's the whole question. Is Justin Cooper back to that with a foot injury that looked gross in the Instagram but, post? Well, what do we know, Weech? Do we, do, have you heard? or? Well, he's been back on the bike. Uh, uh, I saw him in Atlanta Supercross, so going a little over a month, he's been back on the bike. He said it came back pretty quick. He was actually surprised his fitness wasn't as off as he thought. You know, lots of miles on a stationary bike while he was healing. Um, but we've heard a lot of times riders say they're flying at the test track and they feel good coming in and then it changes when they go to the races. And I do feel like Cooper has been more adversely effective, uh, affected when he comes into a race or a series hurt than others. There's some guys where it's like, it doesn't matter what happened. They show up and they're the same at the first race. I feel like Cooper has had more ups and downs than others when he comes into a series hurt or not. So I'm a little worried, even though Cooper has told me that he's feeling good. Where are you with Justin Cooper, JT? He was definitely, if Jet was 1A, he was 1B last year. And we know that team, by the way, Monster Energy, Yamaha Star Racing, always builds incredible motorcycles. It's just going to be preparation. And he's been off for a very long time. That's the problem. So can he do it? Of course he can. But I, I don't know. And we're really not going to know where he is until he lines up and the gate drops and we get to see. Um, I think even himself from, you know, I, I'm, going to insert myself into this, which I know people don't like, but it, I'm drawing from my own experience. Many times I didn't know how it was going to go until the gate drops and I'm in the race. And am I fast enough? Am I fit enough? You're asking yourself these questions that have to be answered on the racetrack. So to me, it's a little bit of a show me situation. We know it's capable. We know the bike's great, but the injury has been a really long one. It hasn't been like, Oh yeah. He, you know, he broke his arm six weeks off right back to it. Like maybe Phil Nicoletti would be in the, in the 450 class. This one's much different and it could be it could take much longer for him to get back to that championship winning form. Yeah. He got hurt in December, not riding until like April. Yeah, wow. Right. That's a lot of time off. That That's really tough to do, right? It's really tough to see Justin Cooper getting back to his old, uh, his old form. And by the way, I just want to point out that uh, when you speak about JT racing nationals for a long time, and, and of course I was a mechanic for a long time, JT's first ever national, uh, my rider placed one spot ahead of him. Uh, and his first ever national and it's continued me being better than JT ever <laughs> since then. So I just want to point that out. It's, it's quite, quite fitting since you guys are battling it out literally every single day. I've got the receipts it's, on my text thread to prove it's, it. It's a great point. It started yes. in 1997 Gainesville. First, and you guys are photo. at each other's throats every day. Yeah. The, the potential of say Lawrence and Honda domination run through the summer is partially because who would have thought we were making so many jokes last year about star racing, having 49 riders on the team who would have thought that they are running out of talent. Cooper's hurt. We're not quite sure the status of Colt Nichols, the other supercross champion from last year on that team. He coming back from gruesome injuries and in supercross himself and Nichols last year outdoors was a struggle. He's had outdoor podiums before, but he was not a contender last year outdoors. So to think that he's going to come back, get healthy and be better than he was last year. Certainly with star would like that, but that's a bit of a stretch. And the other big thing is Jeremy Martin is out. He's out altogether. Steve, I was surprised to hear this. He's on a layout. He's already done with yeah. star racing. He's moving to 23 already. In typical Jamar fashion, things <laughs> things go off the rails and he becomes one of the only riders in recent memory to just halfway through a season be like, yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going here. Um, but let me ask you guys, let me put you on the spot here. Do you think, Weege, 
that Justin Cooper will be as good. Like, do, do you think he's as good this summer? No, no, I, I do yeah. not. Okay. Um, we have to, we have to reserve the idea that if he can get back to that level, that level is on the same level of the Lawrence brothers. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the less likely of two scenarios that he's going right. to be just as good as he was last year. And then, so Jeremy Martin had shoulder surgery that he didn't get last year, hoping to race outdoors, ended up getting hurt anyway with other things. Didn't win the title last year, got the shoulder fixed. He's not ready for the summer. He's already signed a deal. Kind of surprising to go to uh, Muckoff Club MX Yamaha in 23. No Jeremy Martin. So that's a big loss for star. We don't know nickel status beyond Cooper and Nichols. Now you're down to uh, young guys with uh, thrasher and, um, uh, Levi Kitchen, we'll talk about later. So with, without Star, who's been the dominant uh, runners in this class, it is pretty open. And JT, one thing about Hunter Lawrence, I think people are forgetting. Uh, you might think he's the older brother and Jet already beat him last year, but he was kind of rebuilding himself the whole time. I think Hunter's going to be, I think there's a chance Hunter makes a bigger jump this summer, one year to the next, than even Jet does. And it could be Lawrence versus Lawrence. It could be at each other's throat for the title, JT. Yeah, I just said that. I do think Hunter will be really good. Um, I think he will win motos. I think there will be times where you're like, I don't know where this title is going to end up. I just personally believe, and this is not anything against Hunter. I just think Jet's a little bit better of a motorcycle racer than Hunter is. That There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a slight against. I mean, he's, let's face it. Jet is better than almost every other motorcycle racer on this planet. I just think he's a little bit better than Hunter. You look at his progression. You look at how good he's gotten this young and you look at the future that's likely ahead of jet. I will take jet against Hunter over the course of 24 motos. You look at how good he was last year battling Jeremy Martin. I think he's kind of looking at the landscape this year going, I have a hurt Justin Cooper. I have to race against my brother, which will be difficult. I'm sure emotionally and physically, but everybody else, I don't think, he really views as that much of a threat. I, I really don't. I think if he's being honest with himself, he looks at this thing and he would consider himself the favorite. And to JT's point, I mean, Jet was over a hundred points better than Hunter last year. Now I think we see a better Hunter Lawrence. Sure. But a hundred points is a hundred points. Yeah. Uh, Jet did have an ankle injury uh, at the very end of Supercross. That might affect things a little bit, but no one seemed overly concerned with that injury, Steve. I don't think we were hearing anything like that, right? No, his agent was... Uh... His agent was very confident that he would be fine. I saw him that night in uh, the, you know, sweet area walking, right? He was walking to go watch his brother race. And he had a, he had like a walking boot on, but no crutches. I mean, he was walking with weight on it. Had championship on the line. I think you would have seen Jet Lawrence out there and riding fine. But at that point, was it worth the risk? Probably not. I'm impressed to hear that you saw him at a suite to watch his brother race. I was waiting to hear you say you saw him at a party. So good, <laughs> good, good for Jet. Um, so with this star racing, having their issues, uh, it opens the door for other teams to finally get back in there. And we have to, we have to talk about pro circuit. They used to be the star racing of this class. I mean, they were literally going one, two, three in motos, one, two, three, four in points. Um, and there are a couple of riders that really need to break through and maybe they're on that time where they're going to, and it would start with, uh, Austin Forkner. So let's talk about Forkner rejuvenated. I don't think the early supercross rounds, he got hurt one and a half races in, but he didn't look good at that point. I feel like when he came back in Atlanta and then he won in Foxborough, I think that the Forkner that we saw last summer, who was just trying not to get hurt. I think he's pushed that aside. And I think the old Forkner is back. So JT, you seem pretty high on the chances of Forkner, maybe finally becoming a factor again. Most people probably don't even remember he raced last summer. He was invisible. He was like a 10th place guy. 
Well, and you look at how much better he was in these final few supercross rounds versus last summer, he looks like Austin Forkner again. The yeah. guy that I watched race last year outside of maybe Washougal didn't even resemble the Austin Forkner that we've watched for several years now. So that's exciting. It's another contender that could be back in this series. Now, is he good enough to beat Hunter and Jet and whoever else if just a healthy Justin Cooper? I don't know, right? That's going to be another step that he's got to reclaim because I, I think he's been there before. He just needs to remember who he is, where he's been in this class for a very long time. And if he approaches it with that speed, that level of con confidence that he had, like him racing at Foxborough Supercross this year was the Austin Forkner of old. If he brings that level to this summer, he'll be right in the mix. What do you think on Forkner? Uh, or is there anybody else over there, Pro Circuit, that's going to have Joe Shimoda, who had a very underwhelming Supercross season, Seth Hamaker, who we've barely seen race outdoors. He is back from injury in Supercross. He was very good at the beginning of the year indoors. Uh, Cameron McAdoo didn't get him in outdoors last year with a torn ACL. He's back from injuries in Supercross. And I believe Jet Reynolds, I don't know if Reynolds will be there at the very beginning of the year as a rookie coming back from injury. Uh, a lot of guys with a lot of question marks there at Pro Circuit. Starting with Forkner, what do you think, Mathis? Yeah, I mean, you look at when Faulkner came back from injury in the Supercross. He came back at Atlanta, which was a showdown, and he blitzed a main event, a heat race. Yeah, That was yeah. basically the main. He blitzed from, whatever, seventh to first, right? It was incredible. Yeah. And then, of course, he took home his first win in three years or whatever. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I don't think Faulkner's on the, the Lawrence's brother's level, but he can be that next guy for sure. Um, and, and so he'll be good. Listen, I'm not a Schmoda guy. I think he's solid. I, I just, I'm not where some people are with Shmoda as far as I thought, you know, injuries and things like that have helped him get results. Uh, you know, attrition is still good. Don't get me wrong, but in the full field, he hasn't been there, but the last six motos of the last summer, Shmoda was on the podium four times and then had two fourths in the last six motos of the year. So, you know, he beat Forkner in points. So maybe we should be talking about Shmoda being the guy to be on the pro circuit team. Ahead of Forkner. Forkner was there all summer. Same same deal, right? So and Schmoda beat him. So maybe maybe that's something I keep an eye on. McAdoo, love Ramit, great guy. Got to stay healthy. Hamaker at this point is he just another failed amateur? He just is missing so much time. He seems like a good kid, but you can't miss this many races. Seth, um, like Styles Robertson, same idea, right? Um, so I don't know what we get with Seth Hamaker. And yeah, Jet Reynolds won't be ready to start from what I hear. So. The king of pro circuit is we got down to Schmoda and Forkner. And honestly, I think I take Schmoda uh, right now. It's a bit of a question mark with Shimoda, though, because, man, with where he was, like you said, at the end of the Nationals last year, you really thought Shimoda would come in and be a contender in Supercross. His Supercross season this year was worse than last year. And we were all speculating maybe that's because he put the pressure on himself. So can he fix those problems? Because he... He's still young, right? He should be even better than he was last year, and he was pretty good. But we didn't see that in Supercross. So, JT, I don't know about Shimoda. That's going to be interesting. Can he fix whatever the heck the problem was in Supercross? Because it was not pretty. I think he'll be okay. I think you'll see similar results to what Steve was talking about towards the end of the season, right? Three, four, five, six, no problem. I, I truly believe he will do that and do that consistently. But I believe that Forkner's ceiling is simply higher I think that if Forkner is firing on all cylinders, Forkner can win. Like he can be your overall winner on a day where I just haven't seen Shimoda there where, okay, yeah, Shimoda, man, that was a great motor. You got third. That's kind of the top end of your range where if Forkner's clicking, I think he will give anybody on the track every bit they want. So it's just a little bit of different levels of expectation. 
Nothing against Shimoda. I just think Forkner's a little bit better when, when everything's good for both guys. Maxis rubber hits the road. It is that pro circuit team for sure. Both the team not having the success that they had for a long, long time. Probably a lot of uh, rubbing the hands through the hair for uh, poor Mitch Payton over there the last couple of years, right, Steve? So rubber meets the road for Maxis tires for any of those guys at pro circuit. Somebody do it for Mitch. Get him up there and start winning some nationals like the team used to. Pressure's on, boys. So that's pro circuit. Let's move to another team that has a rider who's usually right in the thick of it. It's Rockstar Energy, Factory Husqvarna. RJ Hampshire It's kind of like two guys over there. There's him, and then there's the young guys, Swole and Robertson, who we'll get to in a little bit. But RJ is absolutely established. He's now one of the older, more veteran guys. He's won a few nationals through the years. And now we throw in the other angle. Boy, does he crash a lot. So RJ, is RJ just going to RJ? Can we just assume RJ is going to RJ? He's going to be the fastest guy in some days, win some nationals, but go down too much. Uh, does anyone see RJ holding a number one plate maybe at the end of this? Cause I think some of the pieces are there, but no, RJ, man, you got to no, stop pushing. No, the front, bro. no, no fly racing zone. RJ Hampshire. He will go balls fast. Mm-hmm. Some weekends he will win motos. He will look great, but then he will throw it down. Zebra stripes, the whole thing and buckle in. If you're an RJ Hampshire fan, cause it, it it's life is full of ups and downs. I think even the other riders marvel at it sometimes, um, how fast he can go. And also his recovery, like he can go down two, three times in a moto and not get tired and not lose his rhythm. It's a thing of beauty to watch in a crazy way, uh, JT. It's like what other people look at on YouTube and they're like, check out this crazy thing that happened. That's an RJ Hampshire moto for you. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that's going away. Just like Steve said, this is just who he is. And I think last year, the upside was a little higher than we've seen in a long time. You go back to the high point national. He should have won that, right? His teammate, Julie Swole ends up winning, but RJ was gone in the moto where I believe his chain derailed or broke or whatever would happen. But if he can find that level, you go back even to, uh, I believe Southwick, he was winning. I want to say he was winning that moto and crashed as well. Um, So there were so many missed opportunities on top of some of the, the really nice motos that he had. So if he can find a way to, and I, I hesitate to say it because I don't think he can right? Eliminate a lot of those mistakes. I think you're going to get more of the same, but man, he's got to look at it. And, I, and I'm sure he knows, right? He's got to, he's got to go home and stare at the ceiling and think about these mistakes that he's making. But if he can ever find a way to just smooth out some of that variance, he could move up several spots. Now, is it all the way to the top? I don't know. I don't think so, but he could surely be two, three, four in points because you start racking up wins. Those go a long way over the course of a season, as far as moving yourself up the roster. Look, Justin Cooper had 14 podiums in 24 motos. RJ had 11 and Cooper was over a hundred points ahead of RJ. Like RJ almost maxed matched Justin Cooper for podiums on the season, except yeah, the lows were low. Right. So, and I don't see that changing. Yeah. Even the overall that he won at Redbud, he went two two, which would make you think, Oh, he was super consistent. No, it was just, he was the fastest guy by far in both motos and crashed so many times but he was still fast enough to finish second in both motos. Um, I do want to throw one crazy wild card rumor that I keep hearing out there in our 450 show. We talked about how that rockstar Husqvarna team has been decimated by injuries. We think Malcolm Stewart might be out now with a knee injury. Uh, Dean Wilson's hurt. Zach Osborne's retired. Jason Anderson's gone. Um, I keep hearing people say, what about RJ and a 450? You think that might happen? I don't know. When we're recording this show, we're two weeks out. I don't, I don't know if there's anything to that, but I keep hearing this persistent. What about RJ on a, on a 450? They do wow. have two other riders between Swole and Robertson. So they would still have riders on the gate. 
Giving RJ a bigger bike with more horsepower seems like a great, <laughs> great idea. Yeah. Uh, no, there's always two theories of motocross that you will uh, push it less hard when, when you don't have to, yeah. To, yeah. to have the thing pinned everywhere you go. A 450 suits every rider style better. Ask any rider ever. There it worked go. for Marty. It worked for Marty. He, he did. He did smooth out. He did. Uh, let's go to the other two riders on that team real quick. Uh, Swole and Robertson. Uh, Robertson, I think, has been linked to potentially some other teams already next year. So he might have himself a ride. But both of them are in a position where they got to show something. Uh, Swole did get that win last year at High Point. But the Supercross was really tough on Jalik. And uh, Robertson's barely raced. So really uh, a time that these two got to show them, show the industry what they've got. Cause uh, we've seen riders in this situation It's 50, 50, they could be on the verge of something or it might never come together JT for either one of these guys. Yeah. I, I would say, especially for Jalik because he did not have a good supercross season. Uh, it was, it was, if I'm being honest, pretty poor. Um, I, I think he's a better rider than what he showed. It just was not coming together for him. So if he can find the days, like he had a high point where he, winning, right? I think that blew everyone away that was watching how well he rode there. So it's, it's in him and it's going to be up to him to decide what his future is. I think if he comes out and has a great summer, he's going to land somewhere, whether it's there again, he will get great equipment for 2023. But if he continues this slump he's in and doesn't show that flair and that ability to run at the front hole shotting, which he's a great starter. He needs to continue to put himself in a good positions. It's going to be tough because these teams look at you and go, man, if you can't do it and you're not making it happen on factory equipment, when your teammate RJ Hampshire is running at the front, how's it going to work over here? So it's uh, it's not the perfect position for Jalik to be going into, but again, you look how great he was last summer. It's certainly possible. And then on the Robertson side, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I thought styles was actually riding really well before injury sidelined him. You look at some of his results, they were actually really good. It wasn't, an underwhelming performance that has been the story for styles. It's been the inability to line up behind the gate that has been the story for styles. So if he can be there, put 24 motos in, get some good results. I think he has a really good shot to stay there. Steve, I know you're big on uh, amateurs coming out and getting guaranteed factory rides. I know you're big on that. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't worked out for either guy and that team has had a string of misses. They probably need to overhaul their amateur motocross selection committee. If there is such a thing, uh, I think Jalik will be back there next year. I think styles will be at star Yamaha from everything we hear. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't see any massive improvements by either guy coming this summer. I think they will be what they are uh, at this point. Um, I think guys like Levi kitchen will surpass them, you know, and, and uh, um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. So I don't think it's a big summer for either guy as their futures are secured, but I don't, I don't see either one taking a big step up. That'd be cool if they did, but I don't see it. Okay. Uh, another team that is definitely on the verge here of having contenders. That is the Charlie designs, Red Bull gas gas team. Go to new Ray USA, get their toys. They've just got the gas gas line coming out now. New bikes, new team, new toys, new Ray USA.com. Uh, Michael Moseman. He's a guy that can win any race, anytime, anywhere, uh, indoors or out. Uh, he has not won many of them because he ends up crashing. And uh, Pierce Brown, I think, has that level of potential as well. We haven't quite seen it. Pierce quietly did start to put it together consistently. Even got third at the final uh, Dave Coombs shootout East-West ra- East race in uh, Monster Energy Supercross. So uh, that team can't be counted out. They're going to be solid, those two. What do you think about the, the brown Moseman combo? I'll go to you first, JT. What do you think about those two? Yeah, I think Pierce will be a steady top 10 guy, right? And he needs to continue to work 
forward, which he did in Supercross. This was by far the best Supercross series of his career. He was a, you know, legitimate podium threat. And I think he needs to try to find that same level as we move into the motocross season. Moseman, I look at a little bit differently. I think Moseman can win. I think he can win motos, but he has this tendency to crash and it's not the violent crashes that RJ has. It's not these spectacular highlight reel type stuff. It's just losing the front end, the untimely mistake that costs him several positions and he gets up and he's in 10th instead of he was in third. So for me two a little bit, two different situations. I think the expectations and on my end for Moseman are a little bit higher where Pierce, I think has taken a, a nice season. He just needs to continue that trend upwards. What do you think on those two guys, Mathis? Yeah, you're right, JT. Well, Moseman, we don't talk about Moseman crashing like we do Hampshire, but the numbers are starting to pile up. There's a lot of front end washouts there. Yeah. Maximo's on board with the show, and okay. Maximo makes great contact cleaner, and Michael Moseman needs to clean up the contact with the ground. Mm. That has been getting him, and it's not been good. I'm with JT. He's got speed. He made a bunch of podiums last year, but just, yeah, too many mistakes. And actually, Pierce Brown does the same thing. Pierce Brown hits the ground a lot too. Um, so both guys, uh, yeah, get the subframes ready, get the handlebars ready, uh, figure that thing out over there at TLD Gas Gas, but they both have speed. Uh, you know, I just, I can, Mosman's getting old now. How old is Mosey? Mo, Mo, he's been in the class, what, six years or something? Yeah, something like that. He's not he's not a young guy any longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, much like RJ, we just, you know, bagged on RJ or made fun of RJ or whatever for hitting the ground. Like, I don't know if Mosey's going to change either at this point, but he needs to clean up the contact with the ground. Uh, other than that, I can see him winning races. One of the more unique personalities of the game, Moseman. Every rider says you have to, you know, think positive and believe yeah. you can do it. When you talk um, to Moseman, uh, it was hilarious. He was asked about crashing. Specifically, someone said, are you becoming the new Marty Davalos with uh, washing the front? And he said, I don't even remember doing that. I block it out. It didn't even happen. Uh, well, and also, um, I don't know how many past champions let homeless people live with them. But if he, if he wins the title, he'll be the first he'll champion, be the first. I think, to ever let that happen. I don't, recall Wardy or, I don't recall Wardy or RJ just taking in transients. No. Big heart on and off the track there, yep. uh, Michael Moseman. Um, okay, so uh, we mentioned that there's some other guys with the star racing team, and that's the young guys, Thrasher and Kitchen. Look, they have done an excellent job with their amateur selection committee, if that's what we want to call it. They just keep bringing up more success, more success. The Thrasher-Kitchen thing hasn't been super smooth, though. Thrasher has these three Supercross wins, which sounds phenomenal. And no other good results to speak of besides that. Very weird. Didn't really show much in outdoors last year. And then he got hurt uh, at uh, Millville. And Kitchen, I, I, I believe Kitchen has great talent and ability. He just has barely been on the racetrack. So with, we believe Justin Cooper and Colt Nichols are, are, Nichols are going to point out of the class. Christian Craig has won a 250 Supercross title. He's already signed a 450 deal. He's out. There is going to be pressure. Jeremy Martin's out for next year as well. There is going to be pressure on Thrasher and Kitchen. They've got to take the mantle for what has been the most successful 250 team over the last couple of years. So, Steve, there's some pressure, I think, on Thrasher and Kitchen to show, yeah, when Cooper and Nichols and Martin are gone, we're going to fill in. Yeah, I, I agree. There's going to be some pressure on those guys. I hear uh, Thrasher's going to be back next year, and, of course, Kitchen will be as well. I like the chef. I think the chef's got potential. I like the chef more from like from people like you, Weege, and people who, who follow the amateur scene closer, like, kind of not being this burnt out mini star and then just kind of finding his form the last few years. You know, I like that idea about him and I like sort of his, his attitude and everything else. Um, 
So I'm a fan of the kitchen of the chef. I should say I'm a fan of kitchen. I think he can be better, but yeah, I mean, look, bottom line, he raced what two super crosses this year in his rookie year and then got hurt. Uh, last summer he, uh, got hurt as well. I think near the end of the year, uh, and Thrasher has been a mystery, man. I don't, do you guys, either one of you remember one outdoor moto where you were like, Oh, look at Nate Thrasher. No, I do not. I, I don't right. Like not even once. And, and I do remember a couple motos where you're like, Oh, look at, look at kitchen. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I think kitchen ceiling is higher than thrasher, but I agree. It is big for both guys, uh, to go out there. Thrasher's uh, 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 kitchen of course has hurt his kneecap, broke his kneecap, which is kind of gnarly. It's back on the bike now, but geez, that, that, that doesn't sound very pretty. And I'll throw a little more pressure as I swing it over to you, JT. This team is notoriously, if you're not getting results, they expect they will tell you about it. So they're not going to say, Hey, it's fine. Justin Cooper's back and he's fast. If they're not getting results, they will yell at their guys. So it's going to be their expectations for kitchen and thrasher. Well, it's, uh, you know, this, this team riding for this team is, is a blessing. I don't want to say a curse cause that's not really the right phrase, but it comes with really high expectations. And if you do not fill those expectations, you're gone, right? There is just not a lot of room for, uh, less than desired results. They don't give you a lot of, you know, room to figure it out, right? You either get there, you do well, you show that you're going to be able to quote unquote, make it, or they'll find somebody else who will. And you have to know that when you sign up for that team, that's just how they work over there that you're expected to win. You're expected to be in championship contention. If you don't get that done and get it done quickly, or at least show that you're going to work towards that, you're probably going to be riding for another team. So these two guys that you're mentioning, I think it's that time. Like I'm not saying they have to go out and win motos, but they need to show improvement and they need to show relevancy because as we know, Bobby Reagan and that team just does not wait around. They have their pick of riders. That's the upside for that team is they get to go basically hand pick because everyone believes that they have the best equipment or maybe the best chance to win there. So if you're not the guy, guess what? You're out because we will go find the guy who is. Yeah. We've already heard other guys that they're talking to um, pros. They also have a stacked amateur group. Hayden Deegan's a couple years off, everybody. Yeah, I know YouTube Nation loves Hayden Deegan. He's a couple years off. He's not part of this show. We'll get but there when it's time. That team. We'll, we'll get there when it's time. We'll get there when it's time. Yeah, you know. Um, you talk about amateur guys who were waiting to see, show something. It's our DID trying to find the missing link. What in the heck has happened to Maximus Voland with Red Bull KTM? He was pretty good last year outdoors. This Supercross season... Didn't start well with an injury. And when he came back, it was in no uncertain terms, terrible. He couldn't make main events. Then supposedly he had a thumb injury. I don't know when he's coming back. I believe he has one more year on his deal with KTM. His agent was smart enough to try to give him as much run rate, runway as possible. But Max Voland is rapidly falling down. And he's like the actual stock market, stock market right now. So the missing link, you got to find it, Max Voland. Uh, that was startling, JT. He was not fast enough to qualify for main events this year on the stopwatch. That is crazy. Yeah, it was not a good uh, 2022 season for Voland at all. And uh, I mean, it really didn't start well. And if you go back to last season, he looked pretty good. He was consistent. Mm -hmm. He was a top 10 guy. He was working his way into this series, which is what I believe Red Bull KTM wanted out of him. There weren't, weren't any drastic movements in any direction. It was like, Hey, let's just put laps in, put races in, log some results. This year was the complete opposite of that. It was crashing. It was slow lap times. There's just nothing went to plan. Bad starts, bad qualifying sessions. It was all bad. I could not find one 
positive thing that went on True. for Max Bowen. This, it, it really was that bad. So I think really you just need to go into this and they need to hit him with that denuralizer, de- like in men in black and just forget about all of that and start over. Just start this season. Like supercross never happened because last summer he was pretty good too. So hopefully, you know, his, his dad's been around a long time. Wiley veteran of, you know, motocross and supercross racing. They just need a full reset and forget about all that. Remember who you are. Remember how talented you are and go into this season, you know, like maybe even go back and watch races from last motocross season. And remember when you were leading at Paula last year, remember how good those things can be. That's where he needs to get back to and just completely forget about all those things that happened this spring. Uh, will Roger DeCosta remember Max's name when he returns to the truck or has he already been forgotten about because Roger likes winners and there was no winning in Supercross this year for Max. He's got a real rebuild on his hands here. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I um, I liked his summer last year. I thought he was, was consistent. Good. I like Lone Wolf, his dad. I yep. like the program they've got. Maybe he's just a better outdoor guy than indoor guy. I feel like you two, both of you, are being a little harsh about these missed main events. There, there were weird circumstances going on, you know, so – uh, let's calm that down a little bit. Uh, but, it, but, but the uh, riding wasn't good. It, it doesn't matter. Like these lap times were awful. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I can't sit here and say like, Oh, you know, it's understandable. He made main events. He's a factory rider. He's got to make, he didn't, events, he didn't but, qualify at a triple but, crown where it's but, only about lap time, Steve, y- you know, I mean, it was the first time back after a long off break from injury, you know, I'm not being harsh. I'm just saying it wasn't good. I know he's a good rider. I, that's why he's on Red Bull KTM. I've seen him run around in the top five of this, this series that we're going into many, many times. I'm just saying none of what we saw this spring was good comparatively to what we've seen for a, the prior year. I'm not going to let you two crap on Max Volan's legacy. I'm not going to sit it. here and let oh, this happen. We don't have a troll train in this class anymore. Uh, so now we have to uh, go there. No, listen, I'm, I'm kidding. But no, I think he'll be fine. I, I'm not worried. Okay. I think. I like his pedigree. I like his program. Um, I guess I'm a little biased because I like Talon Volan. I think Talon's really smart and knows what to do and had a great career. And, you know, you know that bike's good. So I think we're going to see Max Volan back around 5 to 10 every moto this summer and just continue to grow. Stand yeah, up. I think I it comes it. down to what JT was saying. He's just got a whatever negative vibes and lack of confidence that he would have lost yeah. Supercross. He's got to just pretend that didn't happen. And he will. And I predict he will. Okay. And I think, yep. I think we're fine. We're fine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a slippery slope in this game. Confidence uh, comes and goes uh, quite quickly, and it's hard to flip it the other direction. So we'll see what he does. Uh, there's a lot of 250 teams that only race Supercross, so I don't think we're going to see uh, the the Jarrett Fry and Jordan Smith team uh, that was in Supercross, um, the Honda squad. So that's a firepower Honda Honda team. So uh, we'll see who ends up in and out of this series. You got the Bar X Suzuki team with the help of Chaparral, managed by Larry Brooks, owned by Myron Short. Um, I was a little underwhelmed with some of their guys in Supercross, but they've got real talent on that team. Between uh, Derek Drake Listen, and Preston Weege, Kilroy. Weege, Weege. Mm, mm, mm. Dylan Schwartz, 10th overall. Sneaky good. I know. That's that's good, Dylan Schwartz. right? He's a fly rider, too. Um, yeah. He's on, I, I he's said Last year, they were great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's really, really good for Dylan Schwartz to to be there. And now they got Mumphy. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah. So, I, yeah. Sneaky good results from this team, I think, for this year. Yeah, I expected a sneaky good in Supercross. It didn't happen, but outdoors right. they were putting it together with multiple guys. And Schwartz had a nice little run uh, going there, where he's getting sixth uh, and seventh level. Yeah, Josh so. Verizzi too. I feel like Verizzi will be on a better equipment than he was last summer, right? It was him and his dad in a motorhome, yeah, privateer bike. Now he's got last year's uh, factory bike under him, so Verizzi should take a step up as well. 
And your guy, Enzo, Steve. Your guy, Enzo Lopes. Pulpum X rider, Enzo Lopes, fifth overall in Supercross. Great job for him. He went and he's been having this problem with his uh, hand going numb from a past shoulder injury. He is uh, down in Brazil getting that fixed as we speak. So the hand will not go numb on us outdoors. And uh, Enzo's probably a better indoor guy than outdoor. Let's face it, it's been a while since he's been outdoor, but keep an eye on Enzo Lopes on the club team. The bike will be good. Um, so yeah, Enzo Lopes could, could be, I think around a 10th place guy this summer. Uh, he, Phil says, still says he's too soft, but <laughs> Phil thinks everybody's too soft. Yes. <laughs> Phil thinks everybody's too soft. Phil, when he comes back, will be a 450 rider for the summer uh, from his broken arm. Even though he did race 250 supercross, he's going to jump up to the 450s. Same thing. You won't see Christian Craig in the 250 class. He's going to jump up to the 450s. Also Alex Martin. Yeah, he's a 450 guy full-time these days. Uh, and Garrett Marchbanks is going to the 450s as well. So if you're watching this show, remember, those guys are not 250 riders. I have a question. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know, is Time Master Pool alive? Yeah, good question. Uh, he missed Supercross. He got hurt right before the season. Um, good outdoor If Time Master Pool is there, uh, he could be really good. Outdoors, he pulls amazing starts. And boy, can he go fast. Yep. Yep. I know. I know. Okay, go ahead. I know as a couple months ago, he was hunting around for a trainer. So I'm assuming that he will be there and be ready. Um, I, he was uh, trying to get dialed in for the summer. Were, were you going to do it, JT? Hard cut. Was I going to? No, I was not going to be his trainer. No. Okay. But I was trying to connect some dots for him. I, I was asking around at a the request of someone he knows. No one ever asked me for trainer advice. It's really odd. I mean, you got EPV. You did it to yourself. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What kind of program would I be able to run? Yeah. 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 I would. I've been saying this for three years. I would love for Ty Masterpool to get it figured out because his potential is off the charts. That's why he was a star racing guy for a while. I mean, they only pick the creme de la creme and he's absolutely there could be one of them. Uh, but those puzzle pieces uh, have been falling apart more than they've been coming together. So who knows? Watch him come back to a national this summer, whole shot and, and uh, run top three. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's possible. He's got the speed to do it. Uh, that's our two fifty show for the most part here. I do want to mention if you want to watch on Mav TV, you can get the streaming service, which is Mav TV plus not Peacock this summer. It is Mav TV Plus, but we'll give you a discount uh, if you want to buy the annual subscription to Mav TV Plus. You can watch it anywhere in the world. This is key. You could not watch the races streaming in Australia last year. This summer you can if you're a Jet Lawrence, Hunter Lawrence guy. And Canada. And Canada. Didn't have it last year? No. Yes. Um, so we'll give you uh, $10 off an annual uh, membership. Type in uh, uh, ProMX10. ProMX10 in the coupon code area. $10 off an annual membership for Mav TV Plus. Or if you want to do the monthly membership, we'll give you half off. It's $6.99 a month. We'll charge you $3.50. And that's a Pro MX50. Type that in at checkout and get a discount to be able to watch anywhere you are. Because, uh, you know, JT would be a kind of guy that'd be on a boat all summer watching streaming in most years. But not nope. this time. You're going to be chosen, at the races. Chosen to ruin his summer. Nice work, JT. <laughs> Great job on that. Uh, before we go, let's pick our championship uh, yeah. riders. And also, I want a breakout rider. I want okay. both. All right. We're going to pick our uh, – who, who is going to fly? Well, uh, I'm really going to stick my neck out on this one. I was smart enough to pick Jet Lawrence to win the title last year. You guys were not. I was right. I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, it's Jet's world. We're all just living in it. Oh, you picked Jet last summer? Yes, I did. I had the revelation. I said, Jet is good. And you said, yeah, shocking. But you didn't pick him for the title. I did. Who, who did I picked pick? J-Mart. I picked J-Mart. I know that. I, I think you went Cooper. I might yeah. have went Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, breakout rider, Weech? Uh, why don't you guys tell me your title contenders and think about that because you just threw that one at me. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. Go. Uh, yeah. Uh, guess what, folks? Um, 
I'm going to go right off the board with this one for a title for championship. Uh, it'll be Jet Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, shocking. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, Jet, Jets will be champ. I, I don't have – barring injury, of course, or whatever. But I, I think Jet wins, and I think pretty easily as well. I do not think easily. I think Hunter gives him a run. Not Cooper. Last We're year. too worried about Cooper right now, right? What's that? We're too, worried. We're too worried about Justin Cooper's foot. Yeah, so absolutely. Right? No, no, yeah. If you can, if you told me, you know, for the 450 show, I said if you, if Eli Tomac win, rides all 450, all 12 races, I pick him as a champion. I don't think that's going to happen. If you told me Justin Cooper was the same speed, then I would certainly, you know, have a lot more to say. But I, that this is a pretty bad injury. So, yeah. you know, I'm no doctor. Uh, I just stayed at a Holiday Inn the other night, but I think this injury is pretty bad. So uh, it'll take Justin Cooper a little while to get up to speed. Uh, I think breakout rider, Michael Moseman. Uh, I think Moseman figures it out a little bit this summer. Now, not title wise and all that, but can we go top three in the points with a couple of race wins for, for Michael Moseman? Can, can we, can we say that? Uh, come on, Moseman, let's figure this out. Let's do it. Yeah, I absolutely believe he's capable of that. I don't want to pick the same breakout as you, so I will instead go with his teammate Pierce Brown. And I'm not saying it's quite that level where he's going to be top three in points and winning motos, but I think you're going to start to see Brown take steps toward flirting with podiums, maybe leading laps here or there. I don't think he's quite at the level of Bozeman yet, but I think you're going to see a step up. So I'm going to pick Brown as my breakout. That would still be a breakout, absolutely. If he did that, that would still be a breakout, for sure. Who do you got, JT? I was going to go Pierce Brown, but uh, I've been (laughs) – I've been pretty big on Forkner. I really liked what I saw starting in Atlanta. Uh, just the first time he hit the track in Atlanta, that's, I just saw the aggression that's been missing for two years. And I, I think he can find that and harness it and bring it to this outdoor championship. So hold on. Well, oh, hold on. we knew it was coming. He's not going to allow you to do this. We knew it was coming. Here we go. Here we no, go. Listen, go breakout ahead, means the guy's going to do something that he hasn't done before. He's going to break out, right? Like, like he's going to become something that he's not. Ben Forkner literally has won a bunch of nationals and been top three in points and, and all like he wouldn't be, he'd be breaking back out. I thought it was more of like surprise guy. Okay. Oh no. Breaking out. Like, so, I don't you know. know you, I mean, you gotta like, you gotta qualify these things. So send me, send me an Forkner, email or something. Let me know. So Austin, JT Austin Forkner would be breaking back out would be your word. He's a breaking sure. back out. Yes. He's going to be I'm breaking back. a book on what to find sleeper and breakout. There, no, it's only because I said ideas it, in his if, head. If you had said Forkner, Nothing happens. We just move that's right not along. True. Good pick, thinking, yes. Good pick. Thinking of a guy who has done is going to do something this summer that he's never done before, and he's going to break out of the box like surprise, you know, <laughs> like that. And, and that's going to be Moseman and, and Pierce Brown, and 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 uh, Austin Austin Forkner has already broken out of the box two three years ago. So uh, well, that's he's fine. Back Whatever. in the box, and he's going to break back out of the box. Okay, all right, fine. He's going to break back out of the box. If Forkner all of a sudden won a moto at the end of the year last year, it would have been surprise. Okay. (laughs) So based on what we saw, it could still be surprising. Uh, I just want to end this show on a little rant. Um, I don't know why we're already starting to reach the age of Lawrence brothers backlash. And I know that they really do get crammed down your throat in the TV shows with the media and whatnot. I think the three of us try to just treat them like other, any other rider. We don't try to go nuts in the Lawrence brothers, but I keep seeing this feedback from fans of like, stop, Stop with this Lawrence Brothers hype. Stop with this Lawrence Brothers hype. People, Jet Lawrence has won the last two titles he's competed for. I don't know what more he could do to deserve the credit. His brother almost won the other Supercross title. We are now talking about two brothers being the one and two favorites and their teammates going into a series. This basically never happens. 
Mathis, you'd probably argue that the Martin brothers were once at that level when they were on star racing. They were maybe one, two, and you'd probably say that. Thank you. But this is unbelievably rarefied air to have a sport where two brothers might be the two best guys. So do not at us saying there's too much Lawrence hype. You can't possibly hype that enough. And this isn't hype anymore. It's actually just reality. They're doing all the winning. They're getting all Allen and Tyson Volan just took their shirts off leech. So thanks. Good job. Sorry. I, I, they, they were very good riders. I don't know if they were one, two in a series. And, uh, our guy, Mitch pointed out there's only one supercross this year that didn't have a Lawrence brother on the podium in the 250 class. That's the kind of damage they're doing. Everybody. It just, is that true? Yes. Is that true? Hutter crashed out of Anaheim three. Every other race, there was one Lawrence brother on the podium, 16 out of 17. This is how legit these guys are. So don't add us with the Lawrence brothers hype. They've earned no, it. but but and they don't ask it for themselves. But at times, the Supercross show did seem over the top with talking about them. Hey, it is what it is. They have personalities. They're really good. They're going to sell the future of the sport. I get some of the backlash at times. It did seem a bit much, but thankfully, they are backing it up on the track a hundred percent. And they don't go around saying, "Hey, Feld, uh, put us on TV." They they don't do any of that. They're they're not in charge of that. So yeah, I think people need to back off on that a little bit. Although it does a bit at times. Their seem agent might. Their agent, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. He's very confident himself. All right. So we think it's going to be a summer of Lawrence unless one of these uh, star racing Yamaha guys can put it together. Maybe Pro Circuit Kawasaki. We'll see. There are some riders that have won races before in this field, but the uh, Lawrence brothers come in with a lot of momentum. We'll see if anyone can derail them. Check out the races on Mav TV. Uh, Jason Thomas, Steve Mathis, and you folks watching, thanks for joining us here at Racer X. <laughs> Contact cleaner. You're going to clean out that studio when we're done from all the crap talk that we've done for the last couple of hours enjoy the shows we will see you starting at fox raceway at pala on may the 28th great outdoors 50th anniversary of lucas oil pro motocross coming your way thanks for watching this has been the fly racing steve mathis show presented by maxis tires Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.